This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Dr. Matt here. Your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. Hey, Ben Wasden, back in the house on the board, running the keyboard. I'm not. Don't even talk, Ben. Just keep working. <laughs> he goes to Hawaii for two weeks, and then on Friday morning, he has to show up and do the show. <laughs> anyway, good to have you back, Ben. Don't say anything. You don't have to talk. Just keep working. He's got like 500 things going on, but he looks great. Ben's Ben's kind of a he's a fair skinned young man, and. Uh, He's, you can tell, got a lot of, he got some sun. He's been doing some ab workouts as well. You can tell that. Fantastic. Anyway, great show for you today, folks. Holy cow, it's Friday, which means, you know, everything just kind of piles up. We've got a, we've got a lot of good stories, but we must, we must quickly get to what I would say the most important political news of the last few hours. Um, Donald Trump apparently does not have a toupee. This just in, Donald Trump does not have a toupee. Let's go uh, to um, a campaign rally. I guess, uh, you know, he's in Greenville, South Carolina. This is, this is what we found out last night. I don't wear a toupee. It's my hair. I swear. Ricardo Sanchez, known as El Mandrel, on his Spanish drive-time radio show in Los Angeles, has taken to calling Donald J. Trump el hombre del pelequin. Almost fluent in Spanish. In other words, the man of the toupee. This is on the front page of the New York Times. I don't wear a toupee. It's my hair. I swear. Come here. Come here. Come here. This poor lady. Holy cow. I'm gonna, we're going to settle this. You know, Barbara Walters did it. Barbara Walters, name me the most whatever it is of the year. Just come on up here. They're going to let you. Her I name's just, Mary Margaret Bannister, called out of the crazy. audience. This is great. Just real quick. We don't want to mess it up Get too up much because I do use hairspray. That I said. Yes, I believe it is. Thank you. <laughs> and have I ever met you before? No. No, you have. No, you have but never you met me, nice. Mr. Trump. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Isn't that the craziest thing? You, uh, you, you, hey, you out there. Yeah, you. Come up here. You're going to touch my hair. You're going to run your fingers through my hair. And she didn't really run her fingers through her hair. He just, what he does is he lifts it up and you can, like, I guess he's showing the roots. And she got up there, you know, looked really closely. And uh, this poor woman all of a sudden is now, she's, she's famous. Mary Margaret Bannister. Mom, weren't you famous? Oh, yeah. Yeah. How, how did you get famous, Mom? Well, I confirmed that Donald Trump's hair is real. It was really, it was a very bizarre experience, she told CNN. She said, you know, I was just listening to the speech and then, you know, it just kind of happened. And he made eye contact with me. And then he said, get up here. And he went up there and she was the toupee tester. What? A- it's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> Don't touch the toupee. The funny thing is, is if you're talking about your hair as much as Donald does, and I mean, it looks real. If I'm a betting man, he's just got a few bald spots, you know, 
and he's just combing it around <laughs> to to cover it. He's looking for coverage. But if if your hair becomes the issue, which it always does with the Don, I mean, maybe it doesn't matter, right? It's just how Don wants to wear his hair. It doesn't matter, except, you know, it's just a good joke. So would he ever just rethink his hair? Just rethink it. I mean, it's hard when you got really good looking hair. I've got great hair. I don't want to brag, but I got some really good hair. But people always think it's a toupee because my hair looks so dang good. And, you know, the minute you're pulling at your hair, you're in trouble. Poor Don. But it's fixed. You know what else is interesting um, about uh, the Donster? He he just continues to, to soar, doesn't he? He just continues to take off. And um, I, I guess the reality is he's – He's speaking for a certain percentage of people that are upset, and he, boy, he keeps, he, you know, he keeps referring to the silent majority, which you know has potential racial overtones from back in the day, and he's he's totally okay bringing that up. He's fine, just he just keeps kind of walking that edge, and I honestly, I used to think he was just crazy and all over the place, but I think. There's just a crazy genius in the guy, you know? He's just – he just knows the heart and the minds of people, um, and I think he's willing to be whatever you want him to be. It's just an interesting day. Anyway, today's also Bowtie Day, which is a really big day, and also National Turnovers Day. Uh, cherry turnovers, by the way. Cherries uh, – let's ask Ben this because Ben's a very, very smart cat. Um, ben, when uh, do you think – Cherries were brought to America. Any idea? The 1600s. Are you, you're cheating. What? Okay. Um, that's weird. How many uh, varieties of cherries are there in the United States? Um, I'm not sure, but I think like more than a thousand. You're a jerk. You're cheating. Uh, okay. This, this There's no way on earth you could answer this. How many cherries... Are there in one pound of cherries? Between like 44 and 45. (laughs) Okay. So you have my script. Holy cow. Ben is such a liar. Today's liar day. Cheater liar day and cherry chapstick day. Honestly. You are a little liar, and I don't want to like. I don't want to get you fired, but you shouldn't lie at BYU. That's all I'm saying about that. Hope you have a job tomorrow. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's uh, let's get to the headlines, the weekend review with Kathy Aiken. Find out what's going on there. On Monday, France bestowed its highest award on three Americans and one British businessman after they tackled a gunman on a high-speed train. President Francois Hollande awarded the man the Legion of Honor after subduing a 26-year-old Moroccan man who entered the train with an assault rifle and other weapons. U.S. Airman Spencer Stone, one of the heroes, said the gunman was ready for a fight. He seemed like he was uh, ready to fight to the, to the end, so, so were we. It feels pretty crazy. I never thought I would be here. Uh, in this position. The other two Americans were Alex Scarlatos and Anthony Sadler. The train was speeding through Belgium when the attack occurred. Scarlatos, who's an Oregon National Guardsman, will be awarded the Soldier's Medal. That's 
Army's highest honor for heroism. Two television colleagues from WDBJ in Virginia were shot and killed by Vester Lee Flanagan Wednesday. Reporter Allison Parker and cameraman Adam Ward were killed during a live interview. Vicki Gardner, who was being interviewed during the attack, was wounded and is listed in good condition. Parker's father, Andy, vows to force legislators to pass stricter gun laws. If I have to be a crusader on this, I'm not going to rest until I see this something happen. We've got to have our, our legislators and our congressmen step up to the plate and stop being cowards about this. Flanagan was a former employee at the station but was fired in 2013. Donald Trump had a journalist from Univision removed from his Iowa press conference this week when he stood up to ask a question about deportation of illegal immigrants. Jorge Ramos was later let back in the room and asked Trump about anchor babies. Here was Trump's response. If you come and you're on the other side of the border, I'm not talking about Mexico, somebody on the other side of the border, a woman is getting ready to have a baby. She crosses the border for one day, has the baby all of a sudden for the next 80 years. We have to take care of the people. I don't think this. No, no, no. I, I don't think so. There are great legal, excuse me, there are great legal scholars that say that's absolutely wrong. When asked about last night's incident, when asked about the incident, Trump told the Today Show the reporter was out of line. After China's benchmark stock plummeted 8.5 percent early in the week, other global markets followed. Yesterday, China's key stock market index surged, helping U.S. stocks rise as well, closing up more than 600 points, its third largest point gain ever. A Louisiana state trooper was killed after being shot in the head during a traffic stop Sunday. A passing driver saw the trooper, 43-year-old Stephen Vincent, lying on the ground. He went and stopped and wrestled the gun away from the suspect. 54-year-old Kevin Dago faces charges of attempted first-degree murder. IndyCar driver Justin Wilson died Monday night after being hit in the head by debris during a race at Pocono Raceway Sunday. Former Indy driver Eddie Cheever said safety concerns need to be addressed. It is time that solutions are looked for and I think it's time that the drivers got together and and come up with a few ideas. I sincerely hope that some progress will be made on this issue. This is something that they are going to have to focus on more than they have done in the past. Wilson is survived by his wife and two children. Wildfires in central Washington state became the largest in state history this week. Five fires covering over 256 acres grew larger on Sunday. The blaze was one of 65 major wildfires in seven western states. This one is driven by those dry, dry fuels out there, the rugged terrain and then the, the weather, the winds. And a fire 100 miles east of Los Angeles earlier this week forced the evacuations of hundreds of residents. Republican leaders in Virginia and North Carolina reported this week to the possibility of making candidates in their states vow not to run as a third-party candidate. They say the move is to ensure Donald Trump would be more fully committed to the Republican Party. Joe Biden told the Democratic National Committee on Wednesday he's not sure he has the emotional fuel to run for the presidency. Biden recently lost his son to cancer. Meanwhile, new poll results yesterday showed Biden faring better than Hillary Clinton against the top GOP contenders. The same poll shows GOP frontrunner Donald Trump leading at 28 percent, followed by Ben Carson at 12 percent. Jeb Bush, Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio are, are tied for third with 7 percent of the vote. A massive bread recall was announced this week in 11 states after fragments of glass was found on the outside of a loaf of bread. The maker of Sara Lee, Nature's Harvest, and other brands is recalling the bread due to a broken light bulb at the company's factory. The breads have best buy dates ranging from August 29th to September 1st. Bimbo bakeries say people can return the bread to the stores 
for a full refund. I'm Kathy Aiken with This Week in Review. Well done, Kathy. And uh, one of the things that uh, we got coming up, man, interesting topic coming up. Danny Crichton will be joining us. This millennial idea, right? Everybody's heard of these millennials, those darn 18 to 34-year-olds. But what they're finding out is, is, is a millennial a real thing? Or is it is it specific to this age group, these young, you know, 18 to 30-somethings? Or is it really just the values of America? Danny Crichton will be joining us. He's going he's gonna to give us his opinion. He's been studying it, and he thinks this is just... What happens when you have technology around? Only 34% of millennials even relate to the title millennial. So it may not be a real distinction. We'll be talking about that up next. The Millennial Delusion right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, because we bring this uh, show to you from the campus of Brigham Young University, we're always joking and teasing with these young kids, these punks, these 18 to 34-year-old millennials. But um, is millennial, you know, it's been this distinction that we've thrown onto this generation of people from 18 to 34 years old. But some of the latest... uh, some of the latest research, you know, might be telling us a lot of these people don't even relate to the idea. Um, you know, these millennials are so socially conscious. They they don't necessarily like in they don't like institutions, for example. They're less inclined to believe in religion. They're less inclined to care about the government. They're less inclined to get married. And we have all these ideas. Well, our next guest um, is uh, Danny Crichton, and he is – He's a, a doctoral student in public policy at Harvard Kennedy School, and he basically says that millennials are a figment of our imagination, a delusion of the marketers and others who believe that changes in our society are only applicable to a narrow group of people rather than the whole population. I think what he's telling us is maybe this whole millennial idea isn't supposed to be attributed to just one generation. Maybe it is becoming the new value system of the rest of us. We, we all buy into these values. Let's find out. Danny Crichton joining us right now. Danny, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you for having me. This is, a, this is such an interesting subject because I'm surrounded by these air quote millennials. And, you know, they're a strange group, Danny. They're a strange bunch. A very, very strange group, yeah. <laughs> talk, talk to us about your, uh, your view on this because you're basically saying it's, it's, it's not real. We, we've created this, I guess, this delusional view of what this group of 18 to 34-year-olds really are about. That's right. So when you read the uh, business press, you hear the word millennial bandied about by everyone from marketing consultants to the banking industry to, to the fashion industry. And they're all sort of saying, look, there's this, this new group of people. They have all these different values. Uh, they want things a certain way. They have a certain expectation for customer service that's very different from their parents. And there is a kernel of truth to that. But I think when you actually look and peer into it more closely, what you're seeing is that uh, the millennials are really just Americans. They're young Americans, people who 
uh, want to make the world a better place, who are entrepreneurial and uh, have sort of taken the messages we've given them over the last 30 years through the dot-com crisis, through 9-11, through the global financial crisis, and are making the best of the situation they find themselves in. So really, these are not millennial values. You're saying these are kind of just American values that are being played out, I guess, because we, we're more tech-savvy? That's right. I mean, if you think about what's changed in the world in the last 30 years, the rise of the Internet, um, the creation of e-commerce such as Amazon and eBay, um, social networks, Facebook and Twitter, uh, we have a lot more uh, means and uh, methods to communicate with each other, to buy goods and services. And so, uh, for instance, I've, I've written a lot about the banking industry and the changes that millennials uh, are making there. And we don't want a customer service relationship built around a local branch and a person behind a desk. We want to go online. We want to use our cell phones um, to be able to do our banking. And so it's not to say that we're somehow incredibly different. It's just we have opportunities today that previous generations never had. Hmm. You know, that really, I mean, it makes <laughs> it makes more sense, right? Like you're not just trying to abandon you know, the old bank on the corner mentality and the community mentality, you're just you you have a whole new set of paradigms, expectations, because you've been raised in technology. That's precisely right. I mean, one of the things that you hear a lot of commentators talk about is that uh, millennials are more likely to just spend all their time on their devices and they're less social, less community engaged. And yet I think that that's a, a very narrow look at it, right? People can volunteer through the Internet uh, around the world. Um, they're more socially aware. They're more uh, aware of what's going on around them, both in the United States and globally, thanks to the extent of the media that we have available uh, through our devices. And we don't necessarily want to have a great conversation with our banker. Yeah. Uh, if we can save you know, 25 minutes at the bank waiting in line and instead go out to a coffee shop with our friends, like that's where the social movement is happening. That's where people are spending their time. Uh, and I take that as actually a positive, that we're making things more efficient so you can spend less time doing the things you don't want to do and more time and more freedom to do the stuff that you do want to do. That's so interesting. It's, um, I mean, I just think of all of the kind of the civil unrest that's going on in so many of the cities because of um, police shootings. And, and a lot of that are they're byproducts of cell phones, right? I mean, we have these cell phones and so we have a very socially active you know, group of youngsters, 18 to 34 year olds, who really, though, now have the capability of seeing, you know, a, a tragic shooting instantly and and forwarding it on and commenting on it and becoming an advocate of it. That's and, precisely right. And I mean, it's no different than how the camera affected the Vietnam War back in back in the 60s, right? You, you suddenly had this live video, you could be in embedded in the troops in Vietnam and see what was going on. Today, everyone has access to that technology. Every person has a smartphone with a video camcorder with a single click of a button can broadcast live around the world. Um, it's not just in the United States. I mean, literally people in, in France and in the United Kingdom and China can, can watch what's going on. And uh, you saw the, the, the shooting in Virginia this yeah. week. And again, you see it you have this live action that's just completely different from any other generation. And so when you see these sorts of events, it's hard to, to see this and say, well, I'm not going to be socially engaged. I'm not going to care. 
Uh, I don't see apathy in this quote-unquote millennial generation. I see people who are wanting to to do the best they can given the the information they're seeing and the, the images they're seeing every single day. Well, I mean, wh- why do we need to kind of ostracize a generation? I mean, it seems like why do we why do we feel this? I mean, I think every generation has always looked at the next generation like ah, you're a bunch of punks. But <laughs> but what is that about? I think the, I mean, certainly in the, in the business world, there's, there's this incredible disruptive change that's taking place in every single industry in the world. And so in order to just sort of describe what's going on, you sort of have to, what, what's the change? Well, technology is really hard to describe uh, in any sort of committee room. It's like, well, technology and nothing's going to work out. We're, we're, we're basically screwed. Yeah. And what I think what people are trying to do is like, well, look, it's just it's a values thing. It's a marketing thing. If only we use different language to talk to these weirdos, <laughs> um, the business would be okay. And that's sort of the delusion aspect that I talk about here is um, there is a difference. I mean, there yeah. is a unique group of people um, who sort of had very searing memories. I mean, I remember in seventh grade watching the Twin Towers come down. Right. I mean, that, that colors your worldview. But at the same time, uh, there's a very heterogeneous group of people. I mean, as, as some research has shown, uh, millennials oftentimes don't even use the millennial term to describe themselves. Or they're asked, are you a millennial? Right. They'll just say no, even though marketers, the way that marketers describe it, they fit perfectly in that demographic group. And so, you know, much like the term American um, is very heterogeneous. I mean, there's different uh, narratives. There are different places. That, uh, the country is huge. We need to sort of recognize that diversity as much as possible. Yeah. Well, and I guess it is – so you're saying they buy into – so the way we frame millennials, millennials, many of them feel like they they relate but they don't relate to it. But I'm 45, 46. I relate. I feel like a millennial. I mean, a lot, yeah. a lot of what they're saying, I, I'm like, oh, I guess I'm just a really old millennial. But but I guess um, what you're saying, though, is it's just this is the new America, really. And, and instead of just hanging a term millennial, we could just say the uh, technology-influenced society. Yeah, exactly. I think that's precisely right. I mean, this is America because as the generations move up, uh, as they age, uh, I mean, there's a, there's an article coming out in Time soon um, that's going to talk about millennial parents, and it, the, the quote is something along the lines of, um, "Help, my mother's a millennial," or something like this, <laughs> and it's going to be. I'm looking forward to it. But the the key here is uh, millennials grew up with this technology. Um, they are digital natives. They they use social networks as their means of communication. They don't make phone calls. I mean, I, I never. This is the first phone call I've received in the last three days. I mean, it's incredible. Right. Everything's online. Yeah. Right. And so the way we interact with the world. I mean, even if you look at the the political campaigns underway right now, the traditional old ways was to send a, a mail um, letter or yeah. to to call me and have a campaign reach out. I don't have that much mail except from the IRS, <laughs> and yeah. I don't have a lot of phone calls. And so even the way the political campaigns might want to interact with me are, is going to be entirely different. Yeah, you, uh, you can and, see that. You can see the polling, too. Like, they don't even know how to poll people anymore. Half of these polls are so far off that you're like, what? The millennials aren't even on landline. I don't know how to have a landline. Yeah. Uh, we, I think the way all these are going to be updated uh, is to fit that sort of quote of millennial, but it, like I said – it's uh, it's something where this is a little bit different. People are 
experiencing um, new technologies, new ways of communication, and that's changing the worldview. But it's still an American worldview. It's still a, an everyday, it's, it's not unfamiliar. Right. Uh, and I think it's one we can easily adapt to. No, I think I think it's a it's a really interesting approach uh, instead of just throwing this huge group under the bus. Um, let's take a break. <laughs> We're speaking with uh, Danny Crichton again, who is a doctoral student in policy at Harvard Public Policy at Harvard Kennedy School, but he's also a Boston-based writer for TechCrunch. He has his own blog and website. If you go to DannyCrichton.com, we'll take a break. Come back. Continue discussing. What uh, what else you know? What else is going on, especially like in business and 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 what would what do we expect when it comes to this kind of new tech savvy America? Interesting, interesting discussion. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, we're taking on this idea, this concept of millennials, those 18 to 34-year-olds, those crazy kids. <laughs> the 18 to 34-year-olds, and you know, we've, we've, we've got baby boomers and X-Gen and Y-Gen and all these gens, and now we've got millennials. But in reality, you know, only like a third of the millennials even relate to the term millennial. And, and the term uh, and some of the actual definitions of what makes a millennial. I mean, what we're finding out, honestly, is it might just simply be these values aren't just a generational value. They're a byproduct of technology and innovation and adaptation and our history. And so, you know, as a 46-year-old, I relate. I'm a millennial. <laughs> But I also just think it's so interesting that we want – we don't know how to explain this new generation that, that um, you know, that maybe isn't so into getting a mortgage. Why don't these young kids want to get in debt like the rest of us? Anyway, we brought in an expert, Danny Crichton, to join us. And Danny is at Harvard in a Ph.D. program and um, is a doctoral student in public policy at the Harvard Kennedy School. He's also a Boston-based writer for TechCrunch and a researcher, um, and he focuses on on quantification and politics with a specific interest in machine learning and its potential effects on policy. Danny Crichton, welcome back to the show. Thank you again. Hey, talk to me about uh, these these crazy kids because um, jobs, for example, uh, like you in the business world, they keep talking about the millennials and you make a really interesting point that there's now consulting firms out there that will go into companies and, and talk millennial for them and, and help them figure out how to communicate and deal with these millennials. But one of the things that they say about the that millennial age group is that they just they just don't. They're not as committed to being in a company or working or staying in or what, – what's your take? Yeah, so I think that there is definitely a, a very different set of values that are going in here in the workforce. So, I mean, the traditional model was you went to a large company, an IBM, a Coca-Cola, and you worked there 
30, 40 years. Yeah. You moved up the corporate ladder step by step by step by step. At some point, you sort of petered out. Um, you retired. You got a pension from that firm. And you sort of did this like sort of cradle to grave uh, model of the workforce. Um, that is, doesn't exist anymore. Um, millennials don't have the choice to sort of go to a company, except for maybe a handful of companies left in the United States, um, to sort of do that model. And so they constantly have to move. Um, they have to move every two to five years uh, if they want to continue their careers moving upward. And so we've adapted to that. You, you see this. There's less loyalty to employers today. Um, if the company's not doing that well, uh, they're going to jump ship and go to a, a better opportunity um, because the company's not going to protect them in the same way that it did for our, our parents' generation. Uh, and so you start to see this development of, look, well, if I'm going to have to jump ship every two years, why not do something I love for two years? Uh, maybe I could work at Goldman Sachs. This is a, a huge thing in my in my friend community. But uh, you go to Goldman Sachs or a McKinsey or a management consulting firm. You, you put some time in. You learn business. You learn how to, to work hard at, at long hours. Um, then you see whether you like that or not. For some, they want to go up in a yoga studio yeah. because they're interested in it. And it's a passion of theirs. Um, it, it ends up being just as much work and they get half the pay. Uh, but it's entrepreneurial. They're in control. They're doing kind of what they love to do. Um, I think it's, it's now more socially acceptable to do those sorts of opportunities. Mm. Um, I think you couldn't have done that 30 years ago without getting some serious sort of uh, eyebrow raising. But today, it's just so typical that, you know, if you go out and say to your friend, hey, I'm thinking of putting my, you know, intense, high-paying job to go become a, a, an organic urban farmer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's actually something that people go, oh, cool, that's great. We're, we're so excited that you're willing to take that risk. Yeah, See, uh, but your, the parents are like, oh, boy. Their parents are like, do not do that. You go work for Goldman and kill yourself. That's right, and, and get the brass ring in 30 years. But right. the answer is, you look at Goldman in the last couple of years. Well, there have been cutbacks. People have been uh, let go. Uh, City, City uh, Bank has lost, or Citigroup has lost, uh, you know, almost 25% of its workforce in the last five or six years. And that means is that, like, again, you see these mass layoffs. We, we grew up with these. Mm. Uh, you know, 15 years ago is uh, Hewlett-Packard, HP, uh, which lost tens and tens of thousands of people over the course of a couple of years. And those, that again, is, is like, like many of the memories we have growing up, uh, that comes back again and again, is that the companies, these large companies, don't move fast in a very fast-moving industry today. And so if you want to protect yourself, you're the one who has to do the work. You're the one who has to move every two to five years um, to be in the right place, to gain the right experience, because these companies are not going to invest in your education as much as they used to. They're not going to guarantee employment like they used to. You're sort of on your mm. own. And that, that sort of encourages this entrepreneurship I think we're seeing in the millennial generation. Well, and maybe that's why we have this weird desire to attach it to a generation is if I am a 45-year-old and I'm, and I'm feeling what – the 25-year-old is feeling, except I've got, you know, four kids, a big mortgage, and I'm stuck in a job I'm not loving. And I look at you punks that get to have all this freedom <laughs> to go decide when you're young to do what I want to do right now. Maybe there's a little envy between the generations. You know, precisely. And I've actually heard that before. Uh, it's really interesting. Uh, when you really pull back the onion layers, Oh, you don't want the pension. You don't understand stability, et cetera, et cetera. It is that a lot of these people went straight into the workforce at 22 yeah. out of college, and they never got off of it. And so when they seeing these kids, look, I'm going to go to Paris for a year and be an artist. 
they're not going to make any money. They're not going to, this isn't their professional career, but they have this opportunity. I'm just going to go overseas. I mean, I lived in South Korea for two years hmm. um, because when you look at the statistics, um, like the, what we call the deathbed statistics, like what did you regret in your life? One of the most common answers is I wish I had traveled earlier in life because I didn't realize how hard it would be once I had a kid, you know, once I yeah. got married and had kids and, and had a house and everything, how hard it would be to just move everyone for two years overseas. And so was, uh, I literally decided, I, I saw those statistics and said, look, I need to do this or I will be just in the same place uh, that everyone else is uh, in the past. Um, we have this opportunity to go overseas. Airline prices are cheaper than they've ever been uh, in the history of the globe. Um, Interesting. That's true. You know, in the seventies, it was thousands of dollars to go international. I mean, yeah. you can fly to Asia from the East Coast for under a thousand dollars at times. It's incredible. It's it, uh, it. I mean, really, the opportunities abound. Talk about because I know one of the things that I hear too is, you know, these darn millennials. They don't believe in religion, organized religion. Their beliefs on that are down, um, but they're so socially conscious. So. Is it is it a malaise? Is it a is it a are they literally moving away from religion? Is it just they have so many other options to have a spiritual kind of connection in their life? What do you see there? I actually see it's, it's, I think there's a positive here, and you have to sort of again peel back the onion layers. So, what is the sort of searing memory that a lot of millennials have about the church? And it's the it's the sexual abuse scandal. That's true, huh? Two thousand. Yeah. Um, we grew up with that story for five years at a very formative age, um, and you'll see now that millennials are getting quite excited about Pope Francis, mm-hmm. um, changes that are underway there. And so, what I see here is, look, people aren't backing away from say spirituality. Um, they're expressing that in different ways, whether that's through a, a yoga studio, soul cycle, all these different sort of um, health clubs and, and different models. But that doesn't mean that they're backing away from organized religion necessarily. Um, I think those statistics are accurate, but that's, that's the opportunity. It's no different than how the banks are losing customers True. Or, or anything else in the economy. It's, look, there, there's a difference here. There's a different opinion, and we've seen – um, practices in the past that we don't agree with, that this was uh, an injustice that wasn't necessarily righted. When that's, when that's fixed and you sort of change the message, as you're seeing today in the Catholic Church, uh, I think you're going to see a very different uh, take from millennials who are going to reconnect um, and, and look into it again. I think that's—I mean, really, if you, if you frame it as a positive, and it's more—it's now—it's kind of—you're just more informed. It's an informed— electorate or an informed following instead of just kind of a mandated or a stuck. That's right. I mean, in the past, if your parents were a particular religion, you probably had that religion. You did the same practices. Today, uh, we're exposed to everyone's religion hmm. um, all the time, uh, whether it's on, on cable TV, whether through social networks. Uh, we have access to all these different pieces of information. And I think, um, you know, this generation tends to be a little more skeptical of larger organized practices. And so yeah. this is an opportunity to, to decentralize, to bring people down at the local level and say, look, it's not about um, the, the hierarchy all the way across the world. It's about the local community, the, the people you're working every single day. I mean, I, I grew up in Minnesota, which, like Utah, um, has some of the highest volunteering rates, some of the highest community engagement rates uh, in the United States. Right. And you're seeing it, it's the millennials aren't backing away from it. You have to make that local connection. You have to. I think it's a little bit more social justice focused, quote unquote. But yeah. that's because we're less interested in reading a book and sort of being doctrinaire about it. It's about executing that vision in the actual real world. Uh, more of my generation would rather work at a homeless shelter and sort of live the message rather than read the message. 
And, and, and you really, this is, what would you, Danny, what would you call the 18 to 34-year-olds? Like, <laughs> would you, do they even need a name? I, mean, I don't think they need a – the marketers need to give them a name. Let's give them the Z. Let's just call name. them the Z generation. X, we've already got X, Y, and Z. They're the Z. Uh, precisely. But I guess that's what the marketers want to do, huh? They want to hang the criteria that you could then use to market to these people. That's right. And they want a, a shorthand, right? I mean, it's like any buzzword. You are describing something that's real. Uh, there's definitely a, a group of people here who have similar values and a similar approach and grew up with technology. Um, and uh, the name they chose was Millennial because we grew up around that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what's interesting is we're already the Millennials. I think we're sort of like two generations old now, though. Yeah. Uh, we have sort of the, the Snapchat generation, if you will, <laughs> right. uh, where everything online is about privacy. And we're already seeing a change to my generation, which I consider myself at the core of the Millennials. Uh, you're seeing this movement where I want all my online information deleted. I don't want to leave a paper trail. Um, I see what's happened to the millennials where they're all, like, like myself. I have a blog. I, I'm everywhere. Um, now it's like I don't want anyone to know I exist. I'm not on Facebook, or if I am, I don't even have a profile picture of myself. Um, so you're seeing this response already uh, from students who are in, say, high school today. Um, they already have a different approach and uh, relationship with technology than my generation did. It's such an interest. I mean, it, it really is. It's it's it, you can only imagine what the next gen will even be like. What's the next iteration um, going to look like when there is absolutely no sense of any privacy? Um, That's right. And what happens when a virtual reality becomes uh-huh. uh, more popularized? I mean, this is a couple of years away still, but. What happens when we have autonomous cars? Um, so no one has driver's licenses in yeah. the United States. You never, you never have to drive. Uh, you have a virtual reality. You, you get into the car. You put on your virtual reality headset. Um, what is that generation going to be? I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> but they're going to have very different experience of the world than we do. Oh, yeah. And, and I think that the neat thing is there's hope. There's hope that, I mean, if you're a 45-year-old, you, you can have the spirit of, a 18-year-old. You can have the millennial uh, uh, technology, you know, experience. That's, I guess that's the best way to look at it. As we wrap this up, what do you want, uh, what would you want everyone to to know as, as a takeaway? What should we all know when we're, when we hear somebody, a media a marketer, somebody use the term millennial, what should we have in the back of our head? I think anytime you hear uh, a whole group of people summarized by a single word. Uh, we should always be a little bit skeptical of that and remind ourselves that, look, like an American or a Minnesotan, um, there are a lot of people behind that phrase, and we need to know those people, not necessarily the word. Mm. Great. It's a great uh, great lesson. Seems so basic, doesn't it? But uh, it's so important. Danny Crichton's his name. Go to his website, Danny Crichton, C-R-I-C-H-T-O-N.com, DannyCrichton.com. Danny, appreciate you being with us. Keep up the great work. Uh, what a cool, um, really, it's a, it's a, we don't need to categorize, right? And we do, we, we do it on the show, Every, we just do it. Everyone does it, throw out the term, yeah, yeah, those darn millennials. Folks, people. And you very well buy into a, a huge percentage, probably you buy into a third of what the millennials are already pegged for. You know, being empathic, socially sensitive, caring about others wanting freedom, independence, being empowered. Those are all ideas that we hang on the millennials, and yet a lot of us relate. We'll take a break, my friends. Stick with us when we come back. Uh, We'll do a few more headlines. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. 
<laughs> Welcome back, folks, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, uh, this is a pretty interesting little headline. Um, Trump, Donald Trump, you may have heard of him. He's running for president of the United States. And uh, also two new things. Uh, he had his two his he does not have a toupee. He had it checked and tested yesterday by a poor just <laughs> participant in one of his speeches. Get up here. Fill my hair. Um, but Trump, Donald Trump uh, was in an interview and, and in, within literally in, in a half hour, about a 35 minute interview, he was able to insult the Bush family 33 times. Averaging one insult a minute, basically. Let me give you um, 33 ways that he skewered the family. One, uh, basically, here we go. On Jeb Bush, he said, I mean, this guy, I don't think he has a clue. Ouch. (laughs) There's one. On George Herbert Walker Bush, I really like the father. I really like him as a person, but... I hated his read my lips, no more taxes. And then he reads taxes monstrously on George W. Bush. He didn't seem smart. I'd watch him in interviews and I'd look at him and people would ask, do you think he understands the question? (laughs) Keep going, Don. Keep going. Let's get Barbara. Did he ever insult Barbara? Apparently not. Back to Jeb. He's not up to snuff. Jeb is never going to bring us to the promised land. He can't. I'm telling you, that's a lot of dings. That is a lot of dings. He's one guy. And by the way, he's killing it in the polls, right? And just when you think he's out of control and doesn't have a clue, he says the next thing and he says the next thing. He just keeps going. And honestly, I think what he's done, and it really is the marketer in him. So when people talk about being a marketer, he knows what moves people. He knows what moves people. And the neat thing about uh, watching this whole experience, and I think just an, it's such a great lesson for all of us, when you're choosing your president, um, he no doubt knows where people have pain. And he's willing to go to where the pain is. Now, a lot of people think he's, you know, race baiting. He's doing all of these different types of, you know, tricks. But in the end, folks, you're going to have to sort through it. And it it, it might be that he's a great uh, person at setting the agenda, at getting things talked about that need to be discussed. And there honestly might be a very interesting place for him in the media or in you know the presidential debate because we are probably talking about a lot of things we wouldn't have talked about. Uh, immigration, for example, is such a complicated issue with so many incredibly important things to understand and, 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 and we have to tolerate and have acceptance and simultaneously you have to have this management of law, right? So how do you balance toleration – of a baby born in the United States that is a citizen of the United States, but who have who has two illegal parents. That's a very complicated solution. And until we talk about it and openly discuss it and figure it out a way to balance the compassion of the country with the need to have a law, you're going to never get through this. So Donald, I think, does a great job of bringing up an issue. <laughs> I mean, he's getting everyone talking about it. There's no way you can't 
argue that he's not getting people talking. But honestly, then it he polarizes it. So there's something he's bringing to the to the election and uh, and this process. I just wish we were then able to actually still talk about it instead of turning everything into a an offensive fight. If you have to offend the Bush family 33 times in 35 minutes, <laughs> um, you're in trouble. He, uh, especially if he's going to hurt anybody, he's going after Jeb, right? So anyway, think about it, folks. People are good at, you know, they can be good at something. They may not be good at everything and, you know, throw in a lot of fire may not be the best way to actually create the solution. It might get people started, but it may not create solutions. Interesting stuff. We'll take a break, my friends. Hour number one of the Matt Townsend Show. It's in the can. Hour number two, next hour, more stuff, more tools, more ideas, more information to help you and your family grow healthier and stronger. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. This is the program where uh, we give you the tools, the ideas, the information you need to grow healthier, happier lives. Welcome to the program. Man, have we got a great show for you. And by the way, happy bow tie day. Today is the day of the bow tie. It's also National Cherry Turnovers Day, which is a great day. Cherry turnovers, a sweet dessert. You got to love it, a little turnover action. One. <laughs> ben, shut your mouth when you eat, honey. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> Dude, what is that? Who could eat like that? Don't be rude, man. You know, I've actually lost my appetite. I do not want a turnover now. That sounded disgusting. Let's just go with Happy Bowtie Day. Uh, by the way, speaking of food, um, I'm telling you, there's something going on. There's something going on when uh, in Florida. We we got to tell you this story. It's just crazy. Police arrest a man, 34-year-old man, following an unprovoked potato salad attack on his mother. Okay. There has been a potato salad attack reported in Florida, folks. A Bradenton man is facing domestic battery charges for allegedly pelting his mother with potato salad during a confrontation in their home. You're a monster! (laughs) John Man, that's what the mom said after getting pelted. Uh, Jonathan Smith, 34, was arrested Saturday evening after his mother, Jennifer, told the cops that he attacked her as she sat down to eat a potato salad and chicken dinner in the living room. Jonathan grabbed a handful of potato salad and threw it, striking his mother in the face, reported cops, who noted that the woman had food all over her and in her hair. When they arrived at the residence, uh, the mother yelled for him to stop. Uh, But Smith continued to throw food at his mother. Tragic. I mean, that's crazy. It's like a food fight. It's like a crazy scene out of high school. 
who uses that now? He knew he was in trouble, though. And he, he got he got physical with her. He pulled her onto the ground, pulled her across the floor. Crazy. And then he made his escape. He jumped on his bicycle. And the 34-year-old <laughs> ran away, got on that bike when mom threatened to call 911, and he done just rode his bike away. Uh, they actually found him a few blocks later. <laughs> And uh, interestingly, apparently, the guy appeared to be intoxicated. Shocking. That's, that's surprising. Hard to believe. Now, you would think that, that that in and of itself, is that's just a crazy story. But you won't believe this. Another Florida man, this time a 40-year-old man, was arrested for sauerkraut battery on his girlfriend. I mean, here we go again. Here we go again. A 40-year-old guy, Matthew Burnett, smashed a plate of sauerkraut into the face of his girlfriend during an argument Tuesday at the Ramada Inn in Sarasota. Burnett and the 36-year-old victim met online. They'd been together on and off for 10 months. Burnett was arrested on a misdemeanor domestic battery charge and booked into county jail. What is the deal, Florida? You got a lot of food problems there. Maybe these people are all on vacation. So maybe they're not even Floridians. Was that German that you just played? Um, I actually stubbed my toe. Oh, you did? And so I was just... What, you, you speak German. What does sauerkraut mean? Um, sour cabbage. Oh, well, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, sour cabbage. That's good. Sour cabbage. Sauerkraut. Folks, let's be careful with our food today, especially as we are celebrating National Cherry Turnovers Day. No need for food fights. No need for any of that. Uh, Let's go now to the headlines with Kathy Aiken and do a little week in review. Kathy? WDBJ Television in Virginia held a moment of silence yesterday morning, 24 hours after two of their journalists were killed. Fester Lee Flanagan, who went by the professional name of Bryce Williams, shot and killed reporter Allison Parker and cameraman Adam Ward during a live interview. Flanagan, who was fired at the station and had a history of workplace problems, later killed himself. Parker's boyfriend, Chris Hurst, said they had a magical nine months together. I just can't believe that she's gone. Allison was a marvelous storyteller with so much promise ahead of her. Allison was the, the brightest light that I have ever met. She was the funniest, kindest, most beautiful woman that I ever met, and she just happened to love me back. Parker's father, Andy, is calling for better gun laws. He also talked about his daughter. It's gone back and forth, uh, and and now it's, you know, the anger is is starting to creep in there because this should not happen. It, it, It shouldn't have happened to someone like Allison. The woman being interviewed, Vicki Gardner, was shot and wounded. She was listed in good condition yesterday. On Wednesday, Walmart announced it would no longer sell semi-automatic rifles and similar sports firearms. They say the decision was not based on those television shootings, but rather low sales. On Monday, French President Francois Hollande awarded the Legion of Honor on three Americans and one British businessman. The nation's highest honor was bestowed on the man after they helped subdue a 26-year-old Moroccan man who entered a train with a, an assault rifle and other weapons. The Americans were U.S. Airman Spencer Stone, Alex Garlados, and Anthony Sadler. Hiding or sitting back is not going to accomplish anything. 
and the gunman would have been successful if my friend Spencer had not gotten up. So I just want that lesson to be learned going forward um, in times of like terror like that to please do something. Don't just stand by and watch. Scarlatos, who's an Oregon National Guardsman, will be awarded the Soldier's Medal. That's Army's highest honor for heroism. Prosecutors later discovered the suspect's cell phone and found he had watched a jihadi video before the attack. Donald Trump had another interesting week on the campaign trail. He booted Jorge Ramos from a press conference after he stood up and began pounding Trump with questions on illegal immigration. The Univision reporter was later let back in, and Trump answered his question. If you come and you're on the other side of the border, I'm not talking about Mexico, somebody on the other side of the border, a woman is getting ready to have a baby. She crosses the border for one day, has the baby all of a sudden. For the next 80 years, we have to take care of the people. I don't think this, no, 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 I, I don't think so. There are great legal, excuse me, there are great legal scholars that say that's absolutely wrong. Trump also talked about his intentions of building a wall to keep out illegal immigrants. After China's benchmark stock plummeted 8.5 percent earlier in the week, other global markets followed. Yesterday, China's key stock market index surged, helping U.S. stocks rise as well, closing at more than 600 points. That was the third largest point gain ever. Wildfires continued to be in the news this week as fires in central Washington state became the largest in state history. A fire 100 miles east of Los Angeles also caused havoc, forcing the evacuations of hundreds of residents. Those fires were just a few of a dozen major wildfires in seven western states. A piece of debris that flew off a car that hit into a wall at Pocono Raceway on Sunday took the life of IndyCar driver Justin Wilson. The debris hit Wilson in the head, and officials believe he was knocked unconscious, which forced his car into the interior wall. Here's former Indy driver Eddie Cheever. Justin was a man that was totally in love with the sport that he chose as his, as his life's ambition. That he was probably the favorite driver of all the drivers in the paddock. He leaves behind a very big legacy as to how a race car driver should act on and off the racetrack. Wilson is survived by his wife and two children. NFL Hall of Famer Chris Carter was criticized this week after a video from a rookie symposium last year was recently released. Here's what he said. In case y'all not going to decide to do the right thing, if y'all got a crew, you got to have a fall guy in the crew. (laughs) The NFL said the comments were unfortunate and inappropriate and not representative of the league's message. Carter, an ESPN analyst, apologized, saying after seeing the video, he realized just how wrong he was. The video, which appeared on NFL.com, has been removed. ESPN pulled analyst Kurt Schilling from its Little League World Series broadcast. This after a tweet from Schilling this week comparing Muslims to Nazi-era Germans. Schilling later deleted the post and later tweeted what he said was 100% his fault and a bad decision. I'm Kathy Aiken with This Week in Review. Thank you, Kathy. Uh, great review, and uh, now coming up, a wonderful guest, Russ Flom is going to be Flom's going to be joining us, a professor here at Brigham Young University. A really interesting study that they've been working on about your child and their ability to recognize pride, to actually have a little kid swagger. You know, when they do something right, when they do something well, kids very young know to pick up the swagger. Also, the Trump swagger, they call it. It's an interesting uh, bit of information. We're going to be talking about uh, pride and uh, maybe how to work with your kids to manage it, to understand it, to leverage it. Interesting stuff. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, when did you feel that first thrill of pride in task? Think back. Think back to your childhood. Was it the first time you tied your shoes all by yourself as a kid? Was it the last time that uh, you tied your shoes? How come you still don't have pride in tying your shoes? Ben still has the Velcro shoes, um, which is fun and, and, and creates a lot of pride. Think about it, though. We... Our pride, it's its an interesting emotion, right? And it's an interesting feeling that's a little more complex than maybe some of the most basic feelings, maybe just being mad or sad. Joining us today, our guest is Dr. Uh, Ross Flum. He's an associate professor of psychology uh, here at Brigham Young University, and he just recently mentored a study that found that children can recognize pride as young as four years of age. He joins us now to uh, to give us some information and insight into the emotion of pride. Welcome to the show, Dr. Flem. Thank you very much, Matt. Thank you very much for having me. I, I love that you research emotions. Emotions in my business uh, as a relationship coach, it's one of my favorite things, right? Because emotions communicate. They do. They do. Uh, I think, you know, for me and from, uh, from my perspective, emotions are the first thing that we use to communicate. That yeah. is, newborn infants uh, aren't verbal. They can't talk. They can't tell you what they're thinking or feeling. But they can certainly, excuse me, show it to you yeah. in their facial expressions. Uh, parents uh, by 36 to 48 hours are already being able to discriminate different types of cries, whether that's a pain cry, a hunger cry. Interesting. So, yeah, emotions are probably uh, the first form that we use to communicate with others. And and it's one thing, I guess, for a child or an infant to automatically emote and use emotion to kind of get what they want. But children and infants also recognize emotion. That's right. And wasn't there a study at BYU about infants recognizing yeah, sad or anger? I can't remember. A lot of my work has, has looked at infants' ability to discriminate, differentiate different types of emotions as well as recognize yeah. uh, commonalities of happiness, sadness, and anger from uh, listening to it in a person's voice to matching it to a facial expression. And in this study, we wanted to look at a more cognitively advanced emotion such as pride. Uh, for pride, most of us, we'd have to have a standard or rule or goal, and then you'd have to exceed that standard rule or goal to know that you've done something good. And hmm. This is what we would kind of call achievement-oriented yeah. pride, which is different from uh, the hubristic type of pride, yeah. the I'm, I'm a big deal or a, a, <laughs> a, a bag of chips, so to speak. I own this kindergarten. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, so, so you put them in – you did a study and you had – were they four-year-olds? Uh, we had uh, two, three, four, five, and six. Did you really? All the way up. And and what did you find? So you put them in and they had to go accomplish something. They had, they had right. a task with blocks. Yep. Teach us what happened. So what happened in the study is kids were assigned to one of three groups. In one group, they were told that this is Dr. Matt. He's the world's fastest tower builder uh, <laughs> in the world. And we brought you, Ben, here today to see whether you could build your tower of blocks – uh, faster larger, than. faster, and taller than he did. And in one one group, a third of the kids, they beat you just barely. Uh, the other third lost. And the other third, the final third, they were not told it was a competition. They were just simply told that they're here to build some blocks with you. And then after they won, lost, or just played the game, we asked them to point to the picture that shows how they feel or how they felt. Uh, and what we noticed was that it was the older kids, the five- and six-year-olds, that reliably identified or would reliably point to the picture that shows pride. Hmm. And in that image, it showed uh, a, a peer that had her chest kind of puffed out or her head raised uh, up and her head tilted back and her 
shoulders kind of uh, yeah. uh, extended forward and her arms kind of resting on her hips. And we had guy photos too. So kids recognized pride in themselves about five and six years of age. However, if you simply ask kids of this age to simply point to the picture that shows pride, they can do that at four really? years of age. However, even younger than that, the three-year-olds and some of the two-year-olds, if they beat you, would actually physically display behaviors related to pride. So they'd kind of convey it in their own posture, in their own facial expressions, but they wouldn't recognize it in themselves as, oh, yes, I'm feeling proud for a couple of years – until a couple of years later. So so, because pride's a more complex emotion, they they can actually feel it, demonstrate it by two to three years of age. Correct. See it – in others. In others at four years of age. Correct. five years And five and six, they actually can see it. Recognize it in themselves. In themselves. That's correct. So that really is developmentally, they're growing, right? So developmentally, they're learning to use emotion. And within a year or two, they actually can take the place of other. And we actually thought, interestingly, that kids would be able to recognize it in themselves before they would recognize it in yeah. others. Well, interesting. You think And you they would. actually uh, recognized it in others, maybe perhaps because they were could see the posture and see mm. that in other people and then say, oh, that is pride. Which I guess which is why as parents we might need to validate our children's emotions so that when they're feeling it, we can – demonstrate what they're connecting it sure. to. Sure. And we can say, wow, you know, you did a really great job. I bet you feel proud of the fact that, that Ben, you're 20-something you're and, and, and you're able to use your – sorry, Ben – to use your Velcro on your shoes. <laughs> He's or, their or, great or, shoes. Yeah, uh, or, or, or whatever it may be. So for, you know, for young kids to maybe describe what the child may be feeling and yeah. experiencing. Or if, if you know, I'm really sorry that, that Fifi, the kitty cat, met her demise, you know, that's got to be really sad, yeah. I, you, you know, to talk to your kids about emotions or to use that type of language I, to help I mean, them understand. This it. is this is it's interesting. How does this help us down the road? I mean, I guess we're learning that complex emotions really are starting to be understood at two and three years of age. Well, I, I think as as you pointed out, I mean, you said you're a relationship coach, of, yeah. Um, and and if kids are recognizing emotions in others before they're recognizing it themselves. Maybe perhaps it takes a partner to say, "Hey, you know, you're you seem like you're upset. You seem like you're mad uh, that that I ate the last bit of lutefisk, or or, or as a Minnesotan, you know, we yeah, eat that. You got to uh, get that yeah. in there. <laughs> um, um, that, so maybe to talk to use that in your relationships, or as we get older, to That's say, huge. "Hey, y- you you seem to be displaying this, that, or the other. Is that fair? Is that an accurate characterization of how you're feeling?" If my children aren't seemingly demonstrating or reading people's emotions by five, six, nine, ten. Mm-hmm. I mean, that should concern us a little bit, I'm assuming. Well, um, yeah, the ability to recognize emotions is critical for our social interactions. I mean, we do need to realize if we've offended someone or made someone upset or hurt their feelings, and it is good to say, wow, Matt, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, um, I didn't know you were from Iowa. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry uh, for that or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, that may – you know, we do know that children with autism do have trouble recognizing and discriminating emotions in others. So it is something to watch and to monitor with your kid. And really pride, pride was just one of the emotions. What are some other complex emotions that – you, you're going to go study. Uh, we haven't. We did try uh, shame and guilt. Oh, and what yeah. we did is we had a tower of blocks that was rigged so it would fall down. And we say, Matt, this is a very expensive uh, uh, piece of art here. We do not want you to touch it. If you break it, you will be in big trouble. So I'm going to be back. I left the room, and then through uh, mechanics, 
The tower blocks crumbled. <laughs> would come back in the room and say, "Matt, you broke it. You wrecked it. You ruined it. You're ruining these children." And <laughs> and then we we tested this with two children, and then we'd go back to their preschool teachers uh, later in the day and say, "Say, how is Matt doing?" And and they would say, "He's he's." Not well. Uh, he, he had a rough day. Yeah. And at that point, we we, we stopped the pilot and yeah. realized this is not – This isn't helping. This is not – it's not <laughs> – Interesting the, the information. The knowledge acquired is yeah. not worth uh, the the long-term effect for that Yeah, so child. guilt and shame are – they're harder to test without yeah, hurting. Yeah, and, 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 and we know kids can recognize it and you can do it anecdotally. Uh, so you can ask kids to describe a situation where they might feel these sorts of things or read them a scenario and ask them how they would feel. Yeah. If they participated in this rather than inducing the, that experience in kids. I mean that's – again, that's th- – this emotion is the universal language, right? This is, this is what we're, we've been speaking our entire lives. It, it's the first thing that we communicate and I think it's something that, um, that, that's ubiquitous in all of our communications and interactions with others. I think there's always an emotional component to it. And and I think uh, it affects our learning and memory. So if you were to go back in your own life, um, you could recall uh, very vividly the death of a loved one, yeah. you know, a negative event or, or the death of a family member or divorce or something like that. But on the flip side, you could also remember very positive experiences such as the first time you went to Wally World or, or your first kiss uh, when you were 21 or 22. By the, which was at Wally World. And when you were yeah, 21 or 22. Yeah, right. That's a great place for your first kiss. Uh, let's take a break. We're speaking with Professor Ross Flum. He is here from Brigham Young University and a professor of psychology. He's teaching us about the power of emotions and our children. We'll come back. I'm going to pick his brain. I'm going to throw him a curveball here. We're going to find out what we as parents can do to to make our children even more emotionally strong, competent, skilled, tooled intelligent even maybe more with professor flum after this break this is the matt townsend show stick with us Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. In studio with us today, Dr. Ross Flum is joining us. He is an associate professor of psychology uh, here at Brigham Young University. And in the break, we were talking about all these other studies that I've loved and revered, and I didn't know that they were Professor Flum's. That's huge. Well, I, I have a star in my Loved and midst. revered. I'm not sure <laughs> you're the other person that read them, I, I guess. Know, but I love them because one of them that we just have to talk about Eight, nine-month-old kids. Was it nine months? Sure, depending on the study, which one, yeah. One of them was nine-month-old kids can actually recognize emotion in their parents, their mother, their caregiver. Yeah, yeah. So we've done we've done lots of these where they'll see, you know, they'd see Matt's happy face on one monitor and uh, his uh, angry face on another, and then they hear the voice, and then they have to match the look they'll look to the appropriate face that matches oh, what they're hearing and you can see that yeah and and they'll look they'll look you know they always prefer typically to look at a happy face but if you play the angry voice then they'll look at the angry face and we've done follow up with that so um, you know because emotion is ubiquitous in so many uh, organisms so for example we're all as adults very good at knowing whether that dog is a friendly approachable yeah. dog or whether that dog is 
you know, going to bite us perhaps. So we did the same thing with dogs. We presented 12, I think nine, this was in 2009, I think it was like nine, 10, 14, and 18-month-olds uh, pictures of, of the same dog side by side. And one right. picture of the dog was snarling mad. And in the other picture, the dog was uh, happier in a play posture. And then they either heard a play bark or an aggressive bark. And kids were very adept at matching Amazing. the bark with the appropriate posture. Interesting. So there's something about uh, the way those barks uh, are conveyed acoustically with how they match the dog's posture. Humans get dogs, but you also did a study where dogs get humans. That's correct. Uh, And we think all of this is a a process of domestication. I mean, animals or dogs have lived with humans for about 10 to 14,000 years. And and one study that's coming out in animal cognition, we had uh, an experimenter either point to one of two bulls, and in one condition, the dog had to follow your point, like, you you know, uh, and we, we just said, look, 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 in a positive affect towards one bull, and the dog would follow that. In the other condition, we would do that in a disgusted yeah. uh, rather than a prohibitive way, and the dog would avoid following your point really? and avoid the bowl with the negative gesture and the negative affect and go the opposite way of your pointing because like, oh, that person doesn't like that one. Hmm. I should probably choose the other bowl. Is it tone or is it the the affect? Is it what's on the face or is it what's in the tone? Well, we we did both. We so it was face thing. and voice. We yeah. didn't we didn't separate it out. So I suppose and it would be I suppose there's our ways we could do it experimentally just provide them a voice cue or just provide a facial cue yeah. uh, to see whether they can do it with just facial cues or just vocal cues or whether they need both facial and vocal cues. And it might be that there's seems to be one could be stronger. It yeah, it certainly could. And and I mean if you yell at somebody with infants uh, early on, they need both cues. Mm, uh, as they get older, they're equally proficient with either cue. Uh, that is, you you or I on uh, on a phone call could determine very quickly whether someone's upset or happy or sad. Same thing facially. Uh, we could do that. Um, now, whether a dog could pick up on that uh, just facially, just vocally, or whether a dog would need both, that that's yet to be determined. It's so um, – the, the emotions, it's an important thing because explain why we have them. I mean, everyone's like, because it, when you think about PTSD, when you think about how destructive at times our emotions can be on us, mm-hmm. why why do we have them? Teach us. Oh, that's a that's a great that's a great question. I, I think emotions uh, and attention go hand in hand. I think uh, emotions help highlight certain things that we may or may not want to attend to, um, and I think they capture so they capture our attention. And those things that are not emotional probably aren't as dynamic or uh, um, interesting perhaps for our attentional system. Therefore, humans or other animate living organisms that often do convey emotions, particularly humans, of course, do capture our attention and that we can learn and Hmm. use those in guiding our own behavior. Uh, And so I think the fact that emotions help us to guide our future behavior to help monitor what we're doing and to help modulate that interaction. I think that's why they're so important yeah. for us. And then but they do – We eventually they also can turn on us, right? Where, where in a way our, we, we keep conjuring up emotional feelings about thoughts and, and they keep – Yes. They keep pulling us back down. Yeah. And, and you know, as we mentioned earlier, it's, it's curious that – you know, emotional events are so memorable, and part yeah. of that is because 
the part that helps form and create new memories, the hippocampus, that part of the brain, is situated or the amygdala is situated right next to the hippocampus uh, and that does emotional processing. So it's not surprising from a uh, brain perspective that emotions and memories are so powerful. But you know, we can remember very positive events, your first kiss at 21 or in my case, I I was 13 and Heidi was four. No, I was 12. Uh, I was yes. 12 and Heidi Nelson you was 13 were a, behind her aggressive. garage on, on a tr- it was a truth or dare. Oh, those are the best guys. And I, and I said, we, we, let's just fake it and make it look. And then she <laughs> just planted one on me. And, and that was, well, we, we were supposed to get married in my 12-year-old brain. But anyway, so we can, we can remember positive. I had the same thing with Farrah Fawcett. I remember for Char- yes, <laughs> Charlie's Angels. Yeah, yeah she some was magazine my first called girlfriend. Dynamite Magazine that yeah. came out in the eighties. See, Charlie, Charles, Charlie's Angels. I don't know if you remember this, but Charlie's last name was Townsend, Charles Townsend. So I'm like, oh, that's right. <gasps> he had all the girls. That's my uncle Charlie. <laughs> my dad was Charlie. Um, so, so we have you this- have that memory that'll never go away. That first kiss, right? But unfortunately, it also has a, has a flip side. So there are events. That we may like to forget, but we have a difficult time that we can't that we don't want to remember a war a war scene, experience yeah. or some form of of abuse. You know, these have a strong emotional com- component to them, and we probably these these victims of this would probably wish they could forget them. Uh, and despite their best efforts, they they, they can't. can't. Yeah, oh, um, and I guess that's survival. That's to make sure we don't do that. Don't forget that. That was bad. Yeah, and and that you know, in the case of 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 abuse, it's hard for them to say, well, you know, what do I, you know, you didn't do anything to deserve this, right. but it it does certainly affect uh, their relationships. But if I also have to process an, a complicated emotion mm-hmm. at three, I'm going to process it as a three year old, not right. as a twenty year old. So. And I guess some, so. Sometimes we we exaggerate it. We have the misinterpretation of it from an event that happened at three, five. Oh yes, and, and then and we, that, but that happens not only at three, four, and five, but that happens at at uh, at twenty one and and at forty five or forty six. Yeah. Uh, so someone could say a joke, and it could be taken out of context, or you know what I thought was funny, or what right. you think is funny. Um, you know about Charlie's Angels, and you, you, you know your father being uh, Uncle Charles Townsend. <laughs> yeah, um, that somebody else could be offended. That wow, you know, why are you giving Farrah Fawcett uh, well, any play? But, but yeah, yeah, and and not <laughs> yeah, well, not, there were two others. I don't know, there? I don't, yeah. Sabrina, I don't yeah. remember her name. Sabrina, that's yeah. right. But but so so I think we always have to be kind of uh, vigilant in monitoring our emotions and how we say things and what we say in the context because. Uh, uh, you know, it may be offensive to another individual, and, you, and and that's not only true at three, but that's true throughout our life. Well, and, and emotions are—it's chemistry, right? It's just—it's brain chemistry playing out in our body. Is—is is it brain? Chem- is it—it's a—it's an—it's a chemical. Well, there's certainly neurophysiological components to understanding emotions, but I think a lot of it has to do with our our personal developmental history, hmm. and um, that that have taught us in the past what may be a positive or what may lead to a negative outcome. And we tend to use that to affect our future behavior. So, for example, in, in, in my classes, you know, I used to get the laugh that that that, that I always eat Little Debbie uh, Swiss rolls. Uh, well, I think I usually have two to three packages per day, <laughs> usually one for breakfast, lunch, well, and yeah. dinner, and then I, a can of, of, of Diet Mountain Dew soda. And, and, you know, so I'd get a laugh. Yeah. And then once you get one or two laughs at that, that that 
terrible joke or need, bad I joke. Need to tell that yeah, again. it goes over and over and over again, and <laughs> and and until you realize in the comments that this is all he talks about, yeah. and then he brings like, okay, up now, those stupid jokes again. Yeah, now you got to back off. It's true, and, and I, get, I guess yeah, then you get negative feedback, right? And then you have a negative emotion about it. Then I'm not going to tell that joke anymore. That's correct. You need a new joke. I I, I have several. Try just try any Hostess product and a new beverage. The, you could. It's a but, new joke. But that, yeah, then I'd have to see my bishop and repent. That's so true. Hey, um, talk to us about um, what we could do as parents. I mean, we want to create healthy, emotionally healthy children. I guess as parents, we could could can we stunt their emotional growth? I'm, I mean, I'm assuming I could be a jerk. <laughs> I don't know if we could stunt their emotional growth. I think there's a couple things. One, I think we need to recognize our own emotions and not parent out of emotion. Now, I, I remember vividly uh, when I was a young child, um, my mom was a nurse and she was off at the hospital. My dad was resealing the driveway with uh, that tar sealer and he went in to answer the phone. And I was very, very young. I was five. You wanted to help. And, and I driveway sealed the car. <laughs> oh, um, no and, and my dad came out very red-faced. And I remember I had, had a difficult time uh, sitting. Um, <laughs> but, but the point is we need, to try to, we need to manage and modulate our own emotions and our own arousal first and foremost. Second, we need to help our kids learn to recognize and understand the emotions that they may be feeling and to help highlight and capture that it's okay to feel what you feel. The, the more important thing is how do you act and react to that? You know, is this just – is this truly an offensive situation or is it me that's taking offense where there probably is no offense intended? Yeah. So I think, one, we need to learn to recognize emotions and how we use these emotions to f- affect our behavior and lifestyle. Second, then we can use that to help influence our children's lives. So we could help our children just by helping them recognize the emotion they're feeling. Yeah, and to maybe put a label to it, to a description, and say this is okay. What do you, you know? This is what I might do in this situation. Mm-hmm. You know, gosh, I'm really sorry you had a tough day at school. You know, that might make me feel mad. That would really hurt my feelings. And sometimes when my feelings get hurt or I feel sad, it often comes off as mad. Mm. And and that's okay, and that happens. But you know, maybe instead of you know. Uh, uh, doing whatever the behavior is that yeah, the child harming did. your sister. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, trying to smother her with a pillow. <laughs> you you should say, hey, you know, when you do this, when you pick your nose and wipe it on me, that <laughs> makes me really upset. And you know, or maybe she just needs a a good, you know, like hey, knock it off, right? Type of a thing. And teach and teach him appropriate strategies. appropriate strategies, behaviors, and then also, you called it. I don't know if you called it flooding, but we get flooded with a. An immediate, I guess it's the amygdala kind of fight or flight moment where we get sure. charged chemically. Yeah, and 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 I think those neurotransmitters do affect uh, our emotional response right away. And sometimes we need to just feel it, let it wash over us, yeah. and then make a decision as to how best. I think we had someone from your department that brought that up. That if we if we just would allow the the emotion to just kind of wash over us, it'll mm-hmm. last like a, wave. like a minute and a half or whatever. Yeah, and, and versus we fight it, take it on, and it lasts two days. And I think that's particularly true of say like things like jealousy or or um, anger or something like that. So you know, for our young college students uh, here on campus, maybe they go on to uh, Facebook and they see that that boyfriend or or that boy or that girl that they've been, I guess, crushing on is the new yeah, phrase, crushing. Yeah. Um, that is now in a relationship or they're in a you know they've changed their relationship status and they feel anger or jealousy just let it say okay it's okay to feel jealous it's okay to feel upset however 
there's lots of other fish in my ward that I could date and yeah, or, they, or yeah. pursue. And I'm upset. I'm bothered. However, yeah, um, I could ask out the other elders quorum president and adapt and move and, to the right. next. That's correct. Move to the next uh, level. Talk um, just as we we've got about three or four more minutes when because I also see the emotional management. And it, I guess it's if we don't learn what you're teaching us, like to recognize and manage our emotions, then when I'm 50 and my wife and I are talking about something and I take a quick offense, then all of a sudden we turn into this fighter flighter pattern, this pursuer withdrawer pattern. Um, and I'm, I'm either going to have to learn it then or I, or I can learn it when I'm 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. We've got to learn emotion management. And we do. We do with our bosses. We don't freak out all the time with our boss. Hopefully not. But we tend to feel more liberty, I guess, at home. Sure. And it's the, I guess that's the same thing as the kid throwing the tantrum. Yeah. And I think, I think with, our, with our spouses, um, the concern I might have is that if, if we're blowing up or if we're hot-headed or losing our temper or, or shutting down, maybe that shows that we need to work on our trust, that our, uh, our, our spouse or significant other – is one that we can trust with our emotions and and that they are a safe person with whom to to be very open and honest like wow you know Matt you did that you know I get sick and tired when you leave your half empty diet mountain dew cans <laughs> in your bedroom in the office and in the kitchen yeah. and and I really want to throttle you but but I love you I care for you let's can we figure out a workable solution and I think if we to the degree that we can be more open and honest with ourselves and with our partner, we can hopefully avoid some of those those kind of flare-ups. Yeah, um, because you're right. We do. We've learned that that there's just certain boundaries with our bosses or uh, superiors that we don't do those behaviors with. However, with our partner, we need to y- you know show even greater trust because instead of just reacting negatively towards you in a defend to defend me. Right, you know, I'm mad at you yeah. to defend myself and defend my own ego. I need to just let that down and say, my my partner's not going to damage my ego. They really, they really do love me. Yeah, we're safe, and, and it is safe, and that I can just say, you know, when you did this, it really hurt me, rather than lash out at you in anger. I guess that's. Um, I mean, it seems like a lot of times we we argue that our negative emotions. You know, it's just who I am. I'm just that's just me. Um, <laughs> and then, so are we. Should we be trying to improve our emotional state or should we just be who we are? Oh, I think I think we could always work on on ourselves. Um, you know, growing up in, in Minnesota, uh, I remember – as a Lutheran in Minnesota, I, re- I remember I was probably, oh gosh, late 20s, early 30s and my father said, well, Ross, you're, you're from Minnesota and you're a Lutheran. Therefore, you're just mildly depressed. <laughs> Um, just, and I kind of just scratched my head and looked at him and thought, "Wow, well, gosh, that <laughs> explains a lot." Um, <laughs> I thought I was really depressed. Yeah, I mean, and now it's just oh, it's just, just a from Minnesota, and 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 it 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 was okay um, to to have that a validated. But then I thought, wait a minute, there's there's <laughs> another way. I, I can be happy. Yes, the Vikings will never win the Super Bowl. No, the Gophers will never. <laughs> yes, it's freezing up there. Yes, it, it, and it, the Gophers are only going to be middle of the pack or whatever. <laughs> Well, they, yeah, we're hopeful that they'll be middle of the pack, um, um, but 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 we can still say I have a choice. I have a choice. I can either be angry and say, you know, gosh, I'm really not angry. I'm more hurt or more sad. 
Um, or I can try to find the joy and the positives in, in the daily journeys. Like, hey, Minnesota lost. Well, they didn't. They beat the spread. Yeah. Um, you have a warm dome. We, ha- we had. Um, <laughs> oh, did you lose? Oh, yeah, it broke in. That's right. Yeah, it it's gone. In. Darn it. Um, um, but, but I think we have a choice in how we react. And I think that's where you're absolutely correct. And if we take that moment or just those few half a minute or 30 seconds to say, let me process this, let me wash this over, this, this emotion wash over me, and then make a decision as to how I'm going yeah. to react rather than always reacting in the heat of the moment. Now, sometimes we're going to make a mistake. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then we and, learn. That's right. Is, we, is, that what, is that uniquely human, though, isn't it? Humans are the ones that can work directly, intentionally on emotional management. Do other animals work on their emotional management? As far as I know, we would be. That would be a uniquely human characteristic trait or it's ability. It's kind of a neat opportunity. To, to do that, to do that. Um, I know when, you know, I had cats and dogs that, that they would re- respond very quickly, abruptly, uh, and, and and they could modulate it, but it often would take a jerk of the leash or yeah, it would take a, a some human training co- that corrective behavior. But as, you're, I, uh, as far as I know, humans are the only organism that can so we ought to use modulate. We, 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 we ought to work on that if, we could, if we're the only one. That's right. So apparently we're the only one that can probably dramatically improve the emotions on Earth. Perhaps so. <laughs> Unless all the dogs just start drinking <laughs> Diet Mountain Dew. And eating little Debbies. Of course, <laughs> eating, the chocolate wouldn't be good. That's so true. That would kill them. Hey, uh, great stuff. We appreciate Professor Ross Flum joining us. Seriously, it's when you have somebody that researches as much as uh, these guys do, it's good to have you on. We're gonna, you're coming Thanks. back, man. Even if you don't want to, you are back. We'll bring back some Ooh, I got to learn about Ludafisk. It sounds horrible. It's lovely. I don't know. We'll find out, folks. Stick with us. We'll be right back. More on the Matt Townsend Show after this break. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm telling you, I love... Uh, learning more about emotion, it really, in my coaching business, it's the bread and butter, folks. You cannot not communicate. Paul Watzlawick teaches one cannot not communicate, and it's because you've got emotion, right? And the emotion's going to come out one way or another. And from the very get-go, kids are recognizing emotion, they're demonstrating emotion. Within minutes, parents can already start to detect cries, and determine what the cries are meaning. I mean, that's crazy. That's a powerful thing. So if you're a guy and you're like, oh, man, my wife is so emotional. She just cries so much. Do you know what that might mean? Then great. Lucky you. You now have access into her head, into her mind, into who she is. And if we could start just paying attention to people's emotions – Man, when you hear about the guy that shot uh, and killed the the two media people um, in Virginia, he was demonstrating negative emotion for years. We knew he had mental health issues because for years he was showing kind of unstable emotion. Remember, emotions are there to teach us, to protect us, to help us understand but you got to pay attention to it, and then we got to know what we got to do. Everyone jumps on the bandwagon to 
to go take care of the guns. And, you know, that might make sense as well. But in reality, we still have no clue on mental health. He was advised to go get some mental health treatment from one of his employers. And I don't know. We can just be mad again and show emotion, which we should. The emotion, we everybody in this country should be mourning and sad for what happened in Virginia. If it happens to one, it happens to all, and it's a real deal. And uh, there's a great quote that says, Who you are speaks so loudly, I can't hear the words that you're saying. If you come at me with such emotion, such anger, such hatred or dislike, or just, you know, if you just don't care, then you know what? Who you are, what you're bringing me, the emotion you're bringing me speaks so loudly, I will not hear what you're saying. And you've probably had that happen with your kids, haven't you, where you're trying to get your children to go do something and they just won't do it. You know, try to get your college kid to do something the way you'd want it done and they're just not going to do it. So you got to find another way to do it. And one of the best ways is use the emotion to understand. When you see somebody sad, ask about it. You seem down. You seem sad. What's up? Let them explain it. And as they explain it, your information goes up. You get more and more information. You have to sort through it, right? And you also will lower their emotion a lot of times because as you let them talk about their feelings, it lowers emotion. That's just basic human kindness. Everybody out there, we can all be better at this. So take your kids, work with them, talk with them. Take your grandkids. If you notice sadness, point it out. If you go home and your wife is happy today, say something. Honey, you seem happier today. What's up? Find out the story behind it. If you see your spouse is down, honey, you seem a little down. You seem quiet today. You seem reserved. What's up? Let them share. Emotion 101, folks. That's what we try to do on the show. Not just give you the latest research, but help you apply it to your life so you can have a healthier relationship and a healthier life. That's the second hour of the Matt Townsend Show, folks. Remember, we can't do the show without you. We can't do the show without you. 7 to 10 Mountain Standard Time. We're here, folks, teaching you the skills, the tools you need to grow healthier, happier lives. We'll take a break, come back a whole new hour right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. Hey, this is the show where we try to give you the a leg up in your life, hopefully... Get you ahead, see what's going on. we got a great hour coming up. Rod Gustafson will be joining us from Parent Previews. And uh, Rod will be giving us a rundown of some of the DVD releases that are coming out that might be uh, ones you'll want to go choose as a parent. Bring them into the house and start showing your kids some fun entertainment. We'll also be doing a little segment we call Matt versus the Millennials. And uh, in our first hour, we talked about how Millennials, uh, that may not even be a really good distinction or categorization anymore because so many of the millennials don't even relate to some of the terms people use when they're saying those millennials. So I'm going to have some of my producers come in and uh, they're going to, uh, they're going to, we're going to kind of go head to head. 
It's always fun. We always do it off air, and we just thought, hey, it might be interesting if you could hear on air what uh, what we're talking about. A lot of times they try to stump me. But what they do not realize is that I am a highly trained professional with nothing but uh, experience. And I have a little bit of millennial blood, um, not by age, but just by just my immaturity. I'm 46, but I'm still a millennial. Usually millennials are 18 to 34, they say. We'll be talking about that. Also have a very special uh, hero that we're going to talk about uh, in the last hour of the show. One of our past producers um, that was on the show, Tyler Mail, uh, who passed away. Uh, his parents and uh, his mom and I think sister are going to be here. And we're going to just do a special tribute um, to him because he was my man. Used to be one of our great producers on the show. So got a great uh, hour coming up. But before we go on, I got to just tell you, if you think you were having a bad day, let me just let me just tell you something. You you don't know a bad day until you hear this story. A Denver police right now are searching for a semi tractor trailer that (laughs) that clipped the bottom of four bridges. Oops, there he comes. Four bridges. Four bridges. Three lanes of northbound Interstate 25 were closed after the semi-damaged four bridges. So, you know, one, hitting the bridge once, that's a bad deal. But then you hit it again? You know, you know, that's weird. I think I got something going on in the back. Then you hit it again? Hmm. That's weird. Then again. You blow up. Wow. That fourth one was bad. Did you notice the difference between the first one and the fourth one? They're totally different. Ben, that's crazy. Totally different. The the officer says, I don't know. It's you know, it's unclear why the driver kept driving after running into four bridges. He said, I don't know. Maybe he had his headphones on and he couldn't hear. Well, yeah, but couldn't you feel like the the whiplash that comes when your trailer, you know, you're heading 60 and your trailer stops at zero? Anyway, there's debris apparently all over the place from 23rd Avenue Bridge onto the highway. And uh, now they're, you know, the semi-trailer is described as a white truck carrying a yellow excavator on a flatbed trailer. So that excavator kept probably taking the beating and it kept knocking stuff off of bridges uh, just a bit of advice again i'm not an engineer but i probably wouldn't use any bridges in denver for a while four bridges it reminded me of following you in ben when we were driving and i followed you in man you know, I, it was weird yeah what what happened i forgot it's like it's all a blur actually. is it a blur yeah well, I don't want to talk about it because I think there are going to be police reports filed. But you tend to straddle the gutter. You tend to straddle the curb. One tire up on the sidewalk, one tire on the road. You might want to watch yeah. that. Well, it's funny because I, I ride a bike to work and so – Oh, you do? Yeah, I don't know how that works. Well, I don't even know who I was following. <laughs> you ride a bike. That's even harder with one tire on the sidewalk and one – Like I've done it before. Yeah. You didn't mean to. You didn't mean to. Hey, let's go to uh, Kathy Aiken and find out a little review of the news for the week. Kathy? WDBJ Television in Virginia held a moment of silence yesterday morning. 
24 hours after two of their journalists were killed. Fester Lee Flanagan, who went by the professional name of Bryce Williams, shot and killed reporter Allison Parker and cameraman Adam Ward during a live interview. Flanagan, who was fired at the station and had a history of workplace problems, later killed himself. Parker's boyfriend, Chris Hurst, said they had a magical nine months together. I just can't believe that she's gone. Allison was a marvelous storyteller with so much promise ahead of her. Allison was the, the brightest light that I have ever met. She was the funniest, kindest, most beautiful woman that I ever met, and she just happened to love me back. Parker's father, Andy, is calling for better gun laws. He also talked about his daughter. It's gone back and forth. Uh, and, and now it's, you know, it, the anger is, is starting to creep in there because this should not happen. It, it, it shouldn't have happened to someone like Allison. The woman being interviewed, Vicki Gardner, was shot and wounded. She was listed in good condition yesterday. On Wednesday, Walmart announced it would no longer sell semi-automatic rifles and similar sports firearms. They say the decision was not based on those television shootings, but rather low sales. On Monday, French President Francois Hollande awarded the Legion of Honor on three Americans and one British businessman. The nation's highest honor was bestowed on the man after they helped subdue a 26-year-old Moroccan man who entered a train with a, an assault rifle and other weapons. The Americans were U.S. Airman Spencer Stone, Alex Garlados, and Anthony Sadler. Hiding or sitting back is not going to accomplish anything, and the gunmen would have been successful if my friend Spencer had not gotten up. So I just want that lesson to be learned going forward um, in times of like terror like that to please do something. Don't just stand by and watch. Scarlatos, who's an Oregon National Guardsman, will be awarded the Soldier's Medal. That's Army's highest honor for heroism. Prosecutors later discovered the suspect's cell phone and found he had watched a jihadi video before the attack. Donald Trump had another interesting week on the campaign trail. He booted Jorge Ramos from a press conference after he stood up and began pounding Trump with questions on illegal immigration. The Univision reporter was later let back in, and Trump answered his question. If you come and you're on the other side of the border, I'm not talking about Mexico, somebody on the other side of the border, a woman is getting ready to have a baby. She crosses the border for one day, has the baby all of a sudden. For the next 80 years, we have to take care of the people. I don't think this. No, 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 I, I don't think so. There are great legal, excuse me, there are great legal scholars that say that's absolutely wrong. Trump also talked about his intentions of building a wall to keep out illegal immigrants. After China's benchmark stock plummeted 8.5 percent earlier in the week, other global markets followed. Yesterday, China's key stock market index surged, helping U.S. stocks rise as well, closing at more than 600 points. That was the third largest point gain ever. Wildfires continued to be in the news this week as fires in central Washington state became the largest in state history. A fire 100 miles east of Los Angeles also caused havoc, forcing the evacuation of hundreds of residents. Those fires were just a few of a dozen major wildfires in seven western states. A piece of debris that flew off a car that hit into a wall at Pocono Raceway on Sunday took the life of IndyCar driver Justin Wilson. The debris hit Wilson in the head, and officials believe he was knocked unconscious, which forced his car into the interior wall. 
Here's former Indy driver Eddie Cheever. Justin was a man that was totally in love with the sport that he chose as his, as his life's ambition. That he was probably the favorite driver of all the drivers in the paddock. He leaves behind a very big legacy as to how a race car driver should act on and off the racetrack. Wilson is survived by his wife and two children. NFL Hall of Famer Chris Carter was criticized this week after a video from a rookie symposium last year was recently released. Here's what he said. In case y'all not going to decide to do the right thing, if y'all got a crew, you got to have a fall guy in the crew. (laughs) The NFL said the comments were unfortunate and inappropriate and not representative of the league's message. Carter, an ESPN analyst, apologized, saying after seeing the video, he realized just how wrong he was. The video, which appeared on NFL.com, has been removed. ESPN pulled analyst Kurt Schilling from its Little League World Series broadcast. This after a tweet from Schilling this week comparing Muslims to Nazi-era Germans. Schilling later deleted the post and later tweeted what he said was 100% his fault and a bad decision. I'm Kathy Aiken with This Week in Review. Thank you, Kathy. Well done, as usual. Hey, coming up next, Rod Gustafson will be joining us. We'll take a little break, and when Rod comes back, he's with ParentPreviews.com. We're going to just be reviewing some of the uh, the movies that are coming out on DVD. Get you ready for the weekend. You know what you can go uh, rent and what uh, what DVDs you might even want to invest in for your family. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, uh, got one of our fun guests, uh, uh, Rod Gustafson's on the line with us from ParentPreviews.com. And uh, he comes on the show to basically walk us through the new movies that come out, the DVD releases that come out, and to help us basically have a parent's perspective on what movies you know might be great for our families, and and what are some of them that and and be better informed as to what actually are in some of the movies. Rod, thanks again for joining us. You're welcome, Matt. We love uh, we love having you on, and love what you're doing there um, at ParentPreviews.com. Now, there's not a lot of uh, new movies out, new releases. I know this makes me kind of sad. I, this is one of those times of the year, like late August, beginning beginning of September. The studios know the kids are headed back into school. They have used up all of their so-called family ammunition over the summer months. And so this is very typical of this time of year. We just have a drought in family movies. I mean, I guess, yeah, they, yeah, they pumped them all out in summer, right? They have to get all their big blockbusters out. When, right. when does it pick back up? Well, it picks back up here. Let's see here. I think in even over the next couple of weeks, I know I've got the Peanuts movie coming up, which I am really looking forward to. That's one of the that's one of the fall releases I'm hoping to see or that I'm hoping to really enjoy. I'll see them all. Uh, but uh, we've got well, Maze Runner, which I think a lot of the teens are going to be interested in, yeah. coming up in late September here. Hotel Transylvania, which I didn't like the first one all that much, but this is the sequel to that uh, little animated movie that came out a couple of years ago. So, so we've got a couple. We've got one called The Walk that looks pretty interesting as well as the end of, at the end of September, and The Martian, of course, which is getting a lot of buzz right at the beginning of October. So, yeah, it's picking up again. We're it, almost through the drought. Is the uh, and the Peanuts? Is that is that a cartoon? What is that one? Yes, of course. That's the Charlie Brown. Yeah. Uh, 
franchise, their very first movie, and it it looks, well, I haven't really seen much of it yet. Uh, They haven't released a whole lot on it, but it looks really cool. It's releasing November 6th, Hmm. and it's done in a three-dimensional animation, and it looks so strange to see the Charlie Brown characters in three dimension. Now I'm going to get off track, Matt. When (laughs) I was little, I had a Viewmaster, and I had a Charlie Brown disc for my Viewmaster. I always really loved Charlie Brown. Yeah, yeah. And with three-dimensional, of yeah. course, in Viewmaster. And this is what this movie looks like. It so reminds this is me of my old Viewmaster. full circle for you. Yeah. <laughs> what memories. <laughs> That's great, Rod. Hey, what uh, DVDs then are coming out? I mean, it's this is a great time to just maybe grab a, grab a DVD and hang out with the family. Yeah, it is. And there are, so maybe I'll start from, uh, uh, even the DVDs aren't great. So we'll run through some <laughs> of these quickly. Yeah. Uh, Citizen Four came out a couple of weeks ago, and this is the movie. This is a real hot potato movie. By the way, it's rated R. Why am I bringing it up? Because, you know, this really is part of the history of our country of what's going on with these these incredible leaks of confidential and classified information. This is the documentary about Edward Snowden. Mm. And this documentary actually follows in real time where Glenn Greenwald, who was the reporter from the UK Guardian, met with Snowden in a hotel room in Hong Kong, and this is where the revelation was made of all of this classified information that he had. It's interesting to watch. It's rated R. There are about five sexual expletives in the movie. That is the only content that is in the movie. Frankly, it's it's a very... From a movie perspective, it's a documentary. They're sitting in a hotel room talking to each hmm. other. There's no sex, no violence. Yeah. Um, but you do have five fairly major swear words in there, which could be a concern to parents. Well, and historically oh, important there. Yes, it is historically important. So that one's out on DVD. Um, another one out on DVD that sadly, we gave it an A-. minus. I really like this movie, Matt. But again, uh, probably only suitable for older teens because I think younger kids would be bored to tears. <laughs> this is a French film called Two Days, One Night. The other big thing this film has going against it. Now, okay, I'm a Canadian, Matt. I'm going to criticize Americans. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Well, in Canada, we've got two official languages. We're more used to reading subtitles in movies than Americans are. Right. Subtitled movies in the United States do not sell well. And Two Days, One Night didn't do well in theaters. Oh, man. But give this one a chance. This is a very interesting French film nominated for an Academy Award uh, for actress uh, Marion Cotillard. See, there goes my French. <laughs> and she, uh, she just does a fantastic job, and it's such a, an ordinary story. She goes to work one day and discovers that the little company that she works at, they either have to, everybody has to take a cut and pay, or the newest, the lowest guy in the totem pole, so to speak, is going to get fired. Well, that's her. And the staff voted they could vote one way or the other. They voted to have her get laid off so everybody could maintain their salaries. She spends the weekend going to each of these employees and trying to convince them to do the vote again and vote the other way. I know it sounds like a ridiculous premise, but it is amazing how engaging this film Hmm. is. And I call this meat and potatoes filmmaking, where you go back to the basics of what makes a movie good. So, yes, it does have subtitles, but amazing film. There is some substance use in this. There's a a short scene of drug use. That is really the major moment of content that's in this film. Otherwise, it gets B grades in our violence, sex, and profanity areas really 
not that much content yeah. that an older teen would and be it sounds it, it sounds interesting we shouldn't be lazy read a subtitle for heaven's sakes it is yeah <laughs> exactly and i mean i find that once you get going with it you hardly even yeah. know that's what you're doing so yeah, so yeah this is one worth reading the subtitles what about uh, big game Big Game is a, a very strange movie. See, this is the time of year for strange movies. <laughs> this movie's from Finland. What's interesting about this film, and again, boy, I, I sound anti-American. I'm not anti-American, but American movies always, oh, okay, maybe not always, I hate that word, usually show um, heroic activities, especially involving the U.S. president, where the U.S. Right. president is always strong and capable. In this movie, this is a movie about a young Finnish indigenous boy. Um, so he's from some, you know, they don't call them Eskimos, but he's from an indigenous tribe. He's out hunting in the woods one day. He comes across this, this capsule, and inside the capsule is the president of the United yeah. States, played by Samuel L. Jackson. Of and, course. Um, Samuel L. Jackson's in everything. That's great. And Air Force One has had a problem, and the president had to leave the plane, and so he got dumped into the middle of the Finnish wilderness. Now this boy, it's up to him to try and save the president's life in the middle of the wilderness. And Samuel L. Jackson, believe it or not, plays a very vulnerable U.S. president mm. who really uh, doesn't have a good handle on what's going on. And so it's up to the Finnish boy to save the day. Well, of course, it's a Finnish movie. They want their person to be the hero. Right. So, Kind of a strange turnaround. Now, this one's out on home video and parents. A warning. Europeans make film very, films very differently than we do. Even though this movie is targeted at a younger audience, there's a surprising amount of violence in this movie. We gave it a D-plus for violence. So I, even though the boy looks like he's 10 years old, I'd recommend this for older teens, hmm. actually. We were surprised because it's, it plays like a kid's adventure, but all of a sudden, there's blood in this. It's, wow. you know, yeah. it's a fairly film. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? I mean, you know, it, 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 where you're, trying to, in, you're trying to give us some culture is what you're doing, Rod. You're giving well, us a little European, a little <laughs> Scandinavian culture, a little bit of Canadian subtitling. That's good. When you have a last name like Gustafson, we got to fit the Scandinavians in there somewhere. That's exactly right. right. Exactly right. Talk about Aloha. Aloha. What a surprise. You know, here we have Bradley Cooper coming off of American Sniper, which, of course, amazing performance in that movie. Aloha. Everybody's scratching their heads like, what happened? Now, if you remember when they had that mysterious Sony hack that North Korea got mm -hmm. blamed for and all of that, and right. who knows, maybe it really was North Korea. But this was one of the movies in Amy Pascal's email inbox, who, and of course, she used to be the head of Sony Pictures before all of this happened, that she, they were complaining that who made this movie, and they don't know if this movie is even going to make 20 bucks at the theater. Well, I understand why. What a strange film. It really does not come together well. Uh, it, it's the story of Bradley Cooper. He's a private defense contractor, and he gets involved in this. Uh, he gets involved in, with this company that is launching this capsule up into space, and he discovers there's more to it than what we originally was said. He's also involved in a love triangle, and, oh, I mean, it just, it really just... <laughs> Yes. So, yeah, there you go. A great recommendation for Aloha as well. Well, and that's Brad Cooper, Emma Stone, and it just... Uh. Yeah. 
kind of yeah, fell short. It's, it's a great cast, and who knows why it didn't work out. So, you know, Matt, we talked about uh, the favorite um, movies in our family last week. This is the week when you go to your video shelf. You know those movies you yeah. haven't watched in five years? Pull out one of those. Yeah. No, I just cleaned our whole video shelf. So, that I mean, now I know exactly which ones I need to go watch, and it doesn't seem like it's really any of these, Rod. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for pointing that so, out. No, but that's yeah. that's that's really why we need you. So everybody go check out parentpreviews.com and you'll see reviews and it'll just give you the insight as a parent that you need to know what media to bring in to your family. And uh good stuff. Rod, we appreciate you. We're going to uh, take a break when we come back. Matt versus the millennials. We're going to take on my producers see uh see what's going on in the world of the millennials. Stick with us folks. This is the Matt Townsend show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. To the Matt Townsend Show in studio. Oh, we brought in the youngins. The cute little millennials. This is a segment we call Matt versus the Millennials. And we don't want to make it sound competitive because we really aren't competitive. We're loving. I'm very fatherly and love these children. (laughs) Love you too, Matt. (laughs) Is that rude? Uh I don't want to sound mean, but joining us, Michael Pond, by the way, who's no longer board hopping because Ben is back. Welcome back, Ben. Ben, thank you. Uh, we actually have three millennials in the room and myself. And then also, Ke- Keisha Danes is joining us. It's Kesha. Is it Kesha? It's Kesha. Kesha? Yeah. Okay, so Kesha Danes is joining us. She is, uh, she's a wonderful, just, what's the word? Just ray of light. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a lot of words. Um, I, I would I don't want to say perfect, but perfect. Yeah. yeah. In fact, uh, Kim Danes here. She's one of my favorite people because she. <laughs> I have more pictures of her in my office <laughs> than any other producer. And Mike, you need to get me a picture. You keep asking for one. I I just. Uh... You too, Ben. I need pictures of you guys in my Hall of Fame. But not more than you have a. No. 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 Katie, I've got plenty of you. <laughs> if you're keeping score, that's three different names for this young lady. <laughs> the running joke in the uh, office is that I don't know her name. And I just keep making up <laughs> names. Uh, but we know her name's Kendra. So it's all good. Um, so Matt versus the millennials. In the first hour of the show, I talked with an expert from Harvard that talked about that millennials is really an illusion. That's not a real – It's there are 18 to 34-year-olds. So those people are real <laughs> – but the concept that millennials are this group of people that are anti kind of establishment, that they don't care about traditions, they don't buy into institutions, they don't think that's true. Do you guys agree or disagree? Uh, you know, I think that's kind of a mixed bag. Like, like, like you said, you know, that's a real group of people. Millennials make up about 54 million uh, adult Americans aged between 18 to, to 54. And that's I mean, about, adult, let's be yeah, real. Yeah, well, I mean. okay, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a, the technical term. Yeah. And uh, that, that's making up one-third of the American workforce right now. 
And uh, there's so many articles out there that say why millennials don't care in the workplace and uh, the four things you can do about it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, why, why don't you care? That's, yeah, we can answer those questions. <laughs> OK, Kendra, why don't you guys care? Um, I, so this is this I'm, is stereotypes, of course. Right. Right? Oh, oh, OK. Well, because see, I've worked with Kendra and Mike and. I, I don't know that this is stereotypes. It just seems like you guys don't care. <laughs> because just, I care so much. You care so much you're on the opposite side of caring. Yeah. No, that is that's the that's the idea of the stereotype that we all of a sudden think all millennials don't care. Right. But you do care. Yeah. You work hard. You're smart. You guys are here every day. I think it's caring about different things. And, yeah. and the cultural environment that this group of – this age group has grown up in is – I mean they, we've gone through September 11th, uh, a recession. I mean we're coming at uh, work from a different angle. Yeah. You don't want to necessarily be like your parents either. We haven't – we're tied to our job because we have a mortgage. We have – a lot of stuff, and we're not necessarily always happy. So you yeah. look at us like, why would I want that? And I think we want different things out of our work. What, what do you want? I mean, I know what you want is like <laughs> free time breaks. <laughs> no, I, I mean, we kind of we have a list, but one of the things I think that was biggest for me is we want a kind of a greater sense of purpose in what we do. We don't want to just show up and yeah. Get the money so we can go and pay those things, but we want to feel like we actually made a difference. We made a mark. We made Which is why path. you love this show. Absolutely. <laughs> well done, Kaylee. That sound real? That was totally real. That sounded <laughs> yes. totally real. And if you notice, I got your name right. Yeah. I only get it right when you do a good job. Oh. When you do you. a bad job, it's Kendra, it's Kimbalaya, it's Keisha, <laughs> Keisha. Uh, Mike, what Kasha. do you want? What do you want out of life? Well, there's, you know, I. I just want to please you, Matt. That's all I want. But but there's actually been studies that have been done on this. Uh, A a new study from A Great Place to Work, which is a uh, company that focuses on on, uh, American companies and increasing productivity and coming up with these tests and things. Uh, Flexible scheduling, uh, telecommuting options, paid sabbaticals, paid volunteer days. You guys, it's a lot. There's a lot of stuff about pay. Yeah. Um, And offering perks and things like massages or fitness (laughs) classes. I'm serious. Why don't you give us that, Matt? This was stuff that came up, and that's so – Like a yoga retreat. I'm writing down the word hedonistic. (laughs) (laughs) I'm adding that to the millennials list. A yoga retreat. Matt Townsend's yoga retreat. But see, now why – you know what this comes from? Because as a little kid, we always – when you'd play t-ball, whether you won or lost, we gave you a trophy. So you think there should always be a payoff. Why else do you do anything? Yeah. See, that's what everyone's frustrated <laughs> with is because when I was a young, see, here's this is this is the problem with the millennial and the um, X Gen or Y. I guess I'm an X Gen. We are. We always go back to our story. When I was a kid, <laughs> I interned for free, and I liked it, and <laughs> it hurt, and it made me stronger, and then that enabled me to get the greatest job in the world. And you guys don't want to work. Yeah, that's where that's where we the old timers go. But I you're do. like you're smart. Like you would want to work for pay and massages. Yeah, but th- that's not everybody. I bet I'll work just as hard as you. You will, but you also learn. It seems like from the technology boon that you've been through, you can all work differently too. Mm-hmm. You can you can do more work at home. You can do more work on just on your phone. Right. Yeah, you know, it's just it's just a totally different environment. We're the generation that grew up 
you know, playing t-ball. Everyone got a participation trophy, and we're drenched in in con- a constant stream of, of of praise. You're really special, mate. Uh, but hey, look, <laughs> uh, that was years ago. Yeah. N- now this group of people is is starting families, and uh, they're or they're thinking about it, and they're they're looking, they're facing down an economy that really hasn't. Robustly grown in a decade, right? I mean, so and it squeezed you out. So many of the millennials are in debt. They have student debt. They were always told go to, go to school, get a degree. If you have your degree, you'll just go out and make money. It's all good. So a lot of you are in school and in debt, and you don't. There's not necessarily a job that's going to make money. You might have a degree in whatever English, and that might not go get you a job that's enough to pay off your bills. Yeah, I, I, and I don't think it's that we're we're uh, you know feel entitled or anything like that. It's just more of uh, we there's zero job security, and yeah. uh, we're struggling to to climb this corporate ladder. We just want to we we yearn for managers who who treat us fairly and respectfully, and and we want to form positive connections with colleagues, and we want to feel proud of what we're doing. That's this show. Yeah. <laughs> As you were describing that, Especially I'm like, the boss part. Don't you think? Absolutely. You just encourage me to. It's funny because you all think I'm your boss. The real <laughs> boss is Don. They call him the Don. That's true. Yeah. I should give him He's the our, cookies. Don's yeah. the real boss. But that's General a whole manager. other generation. So that's – I'm ex-gen. <laughs> You're millennial. Don is a different gen. Don's like, How do we even classify that? I think I it's Paleozoic. Even... <laughs> yeah. I don't know <laughs> what. No, it's not. He, um, Don's just a few years older than me. Yeah. But I like to tease him like he's a lot older than me. <laughs> he's a lot. I hope he's not listening because he'll come storming through he, the door. He always listens. He'll probably be in here if in he does. If he comes in, everybody go quiet. Okay. You got it. And, just, and then let's immediately talk about rock and roll music because he loves that. <laughs> um, talk about – uh, the millennials, so let's just blow up the myth. There is not just this group of people that are millennials that all have the exact same traits. Well, I think yes, I think there is. I mean, it's, no, not, it's no. not everyone, but I think it's a fairly good stereotype. Every generation thinks a stereotype. Keep, keep so going. I think oh, oh. And then the rock and roll <laughs> music was like my favorite Elvis. thing. Elvis. Hey, hey I Don, love how Elvis. are you? Hey, I think Donnie. he's still Here, alive. Grab a mic? <laughs> What's up, Don? I just thought I'd better come in here and defend my generation. <laughs> is it, it's m- not m- my g- 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 generation. <laughs> I made you cookies, Don. Yeah, yeah that, they're right there. Crumbles. It's not Paleozoic. You know, you know, my generation can't be swayed by cookies. Mm. You, they're really good cookies. Except Actually, these I, ones look pretty good. These, uh, I think we're left in the car for No, I just <laughs> made them, and then I had to throw them in the bag when I came no, So I understand. I, we're really enjoying this uh, this confrontation. No, this this friendly uh, <laughs> back and forth between millennials, Discussion. so-called millennials, yeah. and, and X-Gen. Uh, X-Gen, and we're gonna, we may not call them millennials. We may just call them hedonistic. <laughs> the H-Generation. The H-Generation. <laughs> What's your generation? You're I'm a boomer. You're Boomer. Baby boomer, yeah. You remember, guys? Remember the baby boomers? Yeah, you're, you've heard of them, haven't you? You look but, too young. Uh-huh. They were actually saying, "Do you remember baby boomers?" Because at your age, <laughs> isn't that harder to remember? I lived, <laughs> I lived through the '60s, and I do remember them. You know what, Don? We love you, even though they didn't say. They even like they don't act like they love you. We still oh. love you. Hey, good to have you. Wow, you guys, Don just walked right in. That's just totally scary. Wow. He, he could fire us like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've been talking. About Oh, for Mike or me? Both of us. My Don and I've been talking about you, both of you. Oh. Well, just because you know, it's it's been a great opportunity. You just to haven't work, been yeah. performing like we thought you would. I can make more cookies. Excellent. <laughs> that was, in fact, did you hear Don? 
Don, do you think it's <laughs> it, should we for sure? Is it a good idea, Don, that we fire these two? Excellent. <laughs> he does. He only speaks with one word at a time. He reminds me a lot of Smithers. Not uh, Smithers. What's his name? Uh, uh, Mr. Mr. Burns. Mr. Burns. Oh, I don't know from The Simpsons. He always has reminded it. me of Mr. Burns. Anyway, um, okay. Well, so let's just agree to disagree. Not, not to disagree. I totally am with you. Millennials are not just this generation of lazy bums. No, we want to make a difference. You also want massages and you want pay, <laughs> fitness classes too. You want and you want to make a difference. You're highly empathic, but we ought to just yeah. be careful that we don't just throw a label on you. Okay. Right. Kim, thanks. Thanks for coming in. You're Kim welcome. Danes, Michael Pond. Thanks, Matt. It's Kaylee. Pardon? It's, it's Kaylee. That? It's Kaylee. It's Kaylee Danes. Kaylee Danes. Uh, sure it is. Kim's friend Kaylee <laughs> also helped out with the show. We're going to take a break, folks. When we come back, we're going to go down to our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. And then you got to stick with us. We'll do Townsend's Heroes, and I've got a great... Uh, I've got some great guests that we've got to talk about to talk about one of the great heroes of the Matt Townsend show. Uh, We'll surprise you with that one. Stick with us to the end of the show. We'll be right back with BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Good tunage. Hey, let's shoot it down to our good buddies down there at BYU Sports Nation. Hello, gentlemen. What's up? It's just me. Spencer's not here yet. He'll show up any second. You know what, Jerem? This is what we've always known about you. Uh, You're the sturdy. You're the steady. You're the constant. I wish. And that's just your body. That's just your body. You know, showing up on time is one thing, and then... Then uh, delivering... Yeah, delivering's another, you know. Spencer always delivers. You know what? Whatever. You he always should, deliver. He, he'll be on in 10 seconds. Hey, you know what today I, is? Okay, hold on. I always kid with him that we're not on. Spencer, we're actually on oh, right I now. Okay. Spencer. I, I like I'll I'll fake to him like, "Oh, hey, Matt." Like a minute before, yeah, yeah. just to see if he'll freak out and he never does. And and, and yeah, here he is. He's a, d- a day late and a dollar short. Hey, Spencer. Hey, look, some of us have to shave and go on TV, Matt. I shave oh. before I get here. We're talking on makeup, Jerem. No. We're yeah, talking about your go. back, though, right? You were doing Jared the back? Jerem does not put on makeup for TV. Oh, really? I, I choose to put on makeup for TV. Jerem doesn't wear any makeup on no, TV, on HGTV? I think we're belating the point. You were late. Doesn't Jerem <laughs> look doesn't fantastic matter why you're late. Makeup? It's that you're late. You know what? I love both of you. No, I, I have shine on TV, and I just don't care. And no one said, hey, you need to put on makeup. So <laughs> yeah. I haven't put on any makeup. There's, you know what? Why start now? Honestly. It's bad for your... It's if, bad if, for your what's it called per, your complexion. It's if bad for your. Said, Listen, you need to put on makeup. I would. I would do it. No one said that to me. You know what? You know what? Somebody once said to me that I thought was so rude. I, I go, "Do I need makeup?" And they're like, "Well, just body makeup." Wow. I know. Body makeup. I was at the pool. Yikes! Totally rude. You're probably not friends with that person. I don't even know the guy. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, even worse. Isn't, yeah. It, isn't it funny how strangers sometimes feel they like do. they can say whatever? It's because you, once you kind of like you're a little bit in the public where they, they think they own you. And they're like, don't you think you could you know, use some body makeup? There was one person last week that um, was here for Education Week that found us in the building. Uh-huh. I actually kind of chased down Spencer. Oh, and, uh, a fan. Said, hey, I want to say hi. Hey, Spencer. And then I was standing right next to Spencer, um, you know, 
and then said, "Hey, I I really I really enjoy the show. I like you a lot, Spencer. Jerem, I'm not I'm not I'm not so sure about you." <laughs> really? <laughs> and I was like, "Well, you wow. was you, joking? You, he wasn't. You and me, brother." Was he? I think it's the makeup. It was funny. It's always the makeup. Do you guys? Uh, Is that the difference? That's Maybe solely the difference. I thought of you guys with this headline. Did you hear about the Air Guitar World Championships? That that, that is actually a real thing. Oh yeah, I've known about this for a while. I love Why? Air Guitar. Do, are, do you really? Do you, yeah. play, just really quick, play some for us. Okay, there I did it. Oh wow, yeah, impressive. Spence, do you want to try any? <laughs> it's also my tennis play-by-play impersonation. Okay, <laughs> hey, you ready? Yeah, hit it, Spence. Here we go. Yeah. That was, yeah. Wow. You should have seen the air he got on I that. know. I saw that. And you dug <laughs> you dug in deep on that one. You got to be careful. You'll break a string. Um, apparently, <laughs> since 1996, nerds the world over have been meeting in Ulu, Finland. I don't know how to say that. To rock out uh, for this wonderful championship. To me, it just seems a little weird. It's well, like it's, it's the same thing as lip syncing. It's like lip syncing to your whole department in your company. Yeah. It's just awkward. And then you got to go back and look everyone in the eye, and it's like, ooh, did you just sing Xanadu? That's weird. <laughs> Maybe that was the difference. He didn't have Xanadu in there. Yeah. Xanadu. Hey, uh, you guys still doing your show thing today? Every day, brother. <laughs> What's on your show today? Today is the 2015 BYU football season preview show. We'll review all 12 opponents in the bowl situation for BYU. Just what you need to know. Just a couple minutes on each team. Cool. What you need to know, because the season starts next week. We're eight days away, baby. Basically uh. why you should not miss one single game this year. Right. Every Who, game's yes, got Even compelling. Wagner. Even Wagner. Live on BYU will have, TV. have some compelling storylines. Well, yeah, are you all right? I'm emotional about it. Oh, he gets, you know what? It's because yeah. he was an alum of Wagner. No, I was not. But you know who was? Who? BYU basketball assistant coach Quincy Lewis. There you go. go he went Hawks. to Wagner. Randomly. I think it's Wagner. Do you even know where Wagner is, Matt? Uh, Wagner, Wisconsin. Nope. Wagner, Wenatchee Falls. <laughs> no, where is Wagner? In Staten Island. Oh, is it really? Yep. It's, a, it's New, New York. York. New York! Thank you, Ethel Merman. Way to, way to bring in the New York, New York sound. Yes. Anything else on the show that we just need to know before we let you two go? It's game day, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There are two BYU teams ranked right now in the top 15. Exactly the same ranking, actually. Number 11. BYU women's soccer and okay. BYU women's volleyball. Both game day. Uh, game day. Are they games on campus? Uh, soccer is on campus, so that's on BYU TV tonight. It's exciting. 9 Eastern. Okay, Spencer yeah. Linton on the call. Third yeah. straight year with Spencer doing women's soccer. Of course. Awesome. And then women's volleyball. Remember, they went to the National Championship mm-hmm. match last year. Their season begins tonight in L.A. They play Chicago State. And then tomorrow they play number seven North Carolina, number twenty-two USC. Holy cow! I'm going to start tonight's broadcast with a hello, gentlemen. Do it! Oh, you know what? It brings down the house. All right. Plus, it's international. <laughs> <laughs> so the world yeah. is our campus. The world. Brigham. The world is your campus. Yeah, I probably should do it in an accent, huh? No, do it. Hello, you gotta say hello, gentlemen. And then start you say it like start that. Using you know, uh, BYU are. Five and three or whatever. BYU all five and three. (laughs) This is the United States of America. It's BYU is. No, no, no. It's R. Yeah. You guys, Uh, you can use anything I've got. Use all my good stuff. Use all. I've got like three good things and you're going to go use it now. Creativity is using what everyone else has done and just changing it. That's exactly right. And acting like it's different. Yep. No. Well, you guys, we love you and your show's incredible. That's all I got to say. 
Stay sweet, man. You stay sweet. And, Jerem, thanks for being the anchor that you are. Oh, my goodness. And Spence, well, thanks for— Spencer's nickname behind closed door is Anchor Boy. So he's really the anchor. <laughs> Isn't he Anchor Man? It's it anchor- is Anchor Man! <laughs> Not Anchor Lady! Call me Anchor Man. You're amazing. It's a movie quote for those wondering what that was. Well, I love you both. So keep up the good work. Have a great show. Love you. Thank you. Peace out. Good times. Good times. Honestly, when you think about it, they're the guys. I don't want to brag, but I know Spencer and Jerem. We're peeps. We almost went golfing. We almost we almost did. And then we didn't. But they're great guys, and they got a great show. Now, here's the deal. We've got a special guest, two special guests in in the in the studio with us today, and really, honestly, truly, it is um, it's a big deal because when I I think I started the show uh, three years ago here at BYU, and we not to be rude, but we we had a lot of producers, but we and I've had a lot on the show. We've I don't know we used to have them even on the air a lot more, and there was this little dude that was so darn cute and he came and he volunteered his name was tyler tyler male and he came and he volunteered he just was free he just came to work for free just i just want to work for free and he wore cowboy boots and he um he came in and he was just so willing to learn and then he uh i think the next semester we hired him and he became a member of our team and our staff and he was one of our producers and i called him tybo because it's one of my favorite workouts and um, I just loved him to death. And he was he, – he then started doing some some stories and we've been looking for him. But the way we've archived our, our stuff was really hard to go back and find. Then cute little Tybo, um, he went missing one day. He just went missing. And he had gone on a hike and nobody knew where he went. And he went hiking and he was missing and he was missing for I think five days and then – they found him, and he had fallen, and he had died. And cute Tybo, band player. He was in the band here at BYU. And uh, and uh, we'll talk about just all the things he's done. But he, all of a sudden, one of our producers is, has died. It was, it was seriously tragic. And in the studio today are uh, some males. It sounds so weird to say it that way. But uh, Tyler's mom, Lori, is here. And Tyler's sister, Mallory. Is it Mallory? It's Haley. Oh, sorry. It's Haley. (laughs) Why do I think Mallory? (laughs) Haley was important because Haley was on a mission. She was going to the MTC, which is where they send all the missionaries. And you were you in the MTC when you found out about your brother? Um, So I knew he was missing when I went into the MTC, but um, I still went in. And you did. That was amazing. Yeah. I just figured that was where I needed to be, and so I decided to go in. Um, and then about eight hours after I went into the MTC, they found him, and my family came and told me. So I went home for two weeks. Because <sighs> the MTC looks up at the Y, and Tyler had gone up on the side of the mountain where the Y was, went hiking one morning, and fell and they found him five days later. And but so we're I'm doing this because every at the end of every show we always talk about my hero of the day, and Tyler's my hero because we've never been able to have the family on. So welcome to the show, Lori and Haley. Thank you. We love you. Let's um, let me just move that for you. Um, 
How's the family doing? How's everyone doing? That's that's a big deal to lose such a great guy. It was. It, uh, that was uh, very obviously tragic in any family oh, yeah. to go through missing somebody. And and uh, it was interesting because, you know, moms always pay attention to their kids. And I knew Tyler was an anchor, a news yeah. anchor here. Yeah, yeah, And that was my thing. Every morning, I knew he was on at 7, 7.30, You could listen? So I would listen in. And that particular Monday, of course, he, he went hiking on Saturday. Yeah. And uh, on Monday morning, I'm tuning in, and I heard a voice that wasn't Tyler's. And I went, hmm. Maybe they fired Ty. I bet Ty did something wrong. (laughs) They'd never tire that Ty. He's too good to fire. He is too good. But um, so I remember um, texting right away. I knew he worked from 530 to 10 or whatever around here. And I texted him. I said, "Uh, notice you're not on the air today. What assignment do they have? Because there was one other time he wasn't on, and they gave him something else to do. And uh, no answer. And then, you know, there's a long story how my day went because I never contacted him. But uh, then Tuesday morning, again, I I tuned in. And when I heard not only Tyler's, his Tyler, his voice wasn't there. It was another voice. It wasn't yesterday's voice. I went, okay, they're filling in. Yeah. And that's when I started the phone calls searching for him. Are you, and you're the one that probably initiated that. Did the roommates just thought he's just busy? Yeah. He went home. Yeah. You know, that's and the same thing with the bishop thought that, you know, kids come and go yeah. all the time. And uh, but we have a friend that lives in Springville, but he works for BYU. And mm-hmm. I tried calling BYU, but you guys don't answer your phones no, so we don't. early in the morning. <laughs> we don't get here till noon usually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I asked, I said, could you find a back phone number? Uh-huh. Because I was looking for Andy or Bruce. Yeah. And uh, at that point, I sent the friend, I said, go to Tyler's apartment. And if he's not there, call me. Of course, he wasn't uh, there. And that's when the 911 happened. And I called everybody I could possibly find and you know. got in the car and drove here. And. And but, that had to have been so hard. And then they're looking for him and they're looking for him. And five days later, a hunter yeah. found him. Yeah, of all things, a hunter just happened. I mean, obviously, he it was his time to be found yeah. because what's the chances of a hunter oh, right. spotting that right. one spot? Uh-huh. I mean, it was in the mountains huge. And it's – but honestly, just so – because we don't have a lot of time left. But he was – he was amazing, honestly, and he was had the funniest sense of humor, and he got it because he came in uh, the second we could. Um, do you have a clip? Here's just a clip. We found a clip of him. Oh, okay. Just listen. Can you pot up the board in there? Um, but he, honestly, great guy, big heart, fun to play with and laugh with. Tyler Mail. Rather than listen to my professor ramble on about the Shu Dynasty in China for an hour, I can go to Wikipedia and read about it. And then go to YouTube and watch a video documenting the <laughs> entire thing, all in 20 or 30 minutes. It's just more time effective. It's gotten to the point that anyone can get any information they want simply by opening up to Google. Sure, we need to be careful about what is true and what isn't. But as long as we stay objective, we really can read or watch almost anything in the world. You see, again, he's just good. He was just good, and he got in, and he got in fast, and he got good. He was getting good. Yeah. I mean, it takes a while to start <clears throat> feeling confident. He he was in already just willing to jump on mic. I think he was on mic with me in his sec- first or second time in, which is rare, especially when we're not even paying the dude. It's like, hey, yeah, we pulled this guy off of band practice, and now he's in here. Well, um, I just want you to know we loved him. We always love him. We always will love him. Our prayers have been with you. BYU Broadcasting was just so somber when we lost him. And we revered you. I mean, seriously, Haley, that's a big deal. In the MTC, looking up at the mountain where your brother was, and you decided to stay in the mission until you found out the news. And then two weeks later, you were still back. And now you're here at BYU. Yes. 
Yes, I am. And you're going to probably come get a job here, I'm sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Being a music major, I have all the time in the world. I know that. you do. You've got nothing but time. <laughs> so in between when you need some money, come over. I know the boss here. Okay, sounds his, good. His, his name is Don. Sweet. Well, we appreciate you guys. Our prayers are with you. Thank and you. he's my hero of the day. Tyler Mel, Townsend's hero of the day. Folks, that's the show. We got to get out of here. But uh, listen to us. You know, we're here Monday through Friday. Stick with us. And until uh, Monday, have a great one and make it a great life.